was waiting for you. Hey, what's wrong? Oh, it's nothing. It's just a readjustment. Your eyes. Hey, what's wrong? Oh, it's nothing. It's just a readjustment. Your eyes. Welcome to the Road to Damnation podcast. going on everybody welcome to another episode of the road to damnation a horse heresy 30k podcast i am shane and i'm joined by my co-hosts lewis what up everyone mongo yo how's everybody doing and we have a special guest on here tonight mr ryan kimmel himself go ahead ryan what's up everyone no way (laughs) (laughs) so uh tonight we're gonna go through a little different than our usual spiel. We're going to start to uh, some hobby progress. We can talk about some of the new releases that have come out from uh, GW and Forge World. And then we're going to have a painting 102 discussion. So you bought all your shit, got your airbrush and all that. Now what the fuck do I do with it? And then uh, we're also going to have some cult of paint talk here with uh, Mr. Kimmel. So should be a pretty uh, interesting episode. Uh, if you are looking for some hobby advice, uh, get ready to take some notes. So uh, let's go ahead and kick it on over to hobby progress. Uh, Ryan, since you're the guest, do you want to uh, kick us off here with what uh, hobby progress you've been getting done lately? Yeah, sure. So um, as always here lately, I'm doing a lot of 3D printing. Um, all the stuff I'm doing right now is for other people that have just hit me up and say, Hey, can you print this or that? And just, I guess making a little extra money to pay for my printers that I bought. So basically I bought the printers, printed what I wanted to print. And now I'm just trying to like recoup the money out of them. I guess. I don't know. So uh, how many orders has Shane given you? <laughs> none yet. I, I mean, I just kind of gave you one. <laughs> yeah. We're working on one. <laughs> um, so, yeah, just I've been doing that. Uh, that's fairly involved, depending on what you're doing. Just because uh, the first time you do something on 3D printing, you have to like use a lot of computer programs to like get it set up, like into to like set files. And then once you get the file set up to print, where when you load it onto the printer plate, the the what would you call it, the cyber printer plate, the fake one that's right. Uh, on the computer, um, mm-hmm. you get it all set up on there, ready to go, and then you print it. And sometimes it doesn't work out the way you want to, so you waste like 20 hours for nothing, and you throw that shit away, and then you go back to the drawing board and rearrange things on your plate or whatever. So, But once you get that and you get all the files set up, like once you've printed something and you're happy with the way it came out, you have those forever, and then you can like... So say you printed this piece of like ruined terrain and it came out really good and you had it set up just the way you want it on a plate. Once you get it locked in, you can just, you want to print it again. You just load it up and print it. It's easy, but getting it set up the first time is a pain or even if you have it set up, if somebody wants some, you know, custom work or something swapped around or extra pieces or whatever, that's the most involved part of it. So I've been working on that. And then as far as like actual models uh, for myself, so our buddy, Chris Duncan, he's running a real big 40K event out of my barn that I'm building. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was wanting some prizes for it. 
So we 3D printed up some like, I guess you would call them like cosplay, like 40K slash 30 Warhammer themed like equipment, like a frag grenade and a last pistol and like a crazy looking bolt pistol. That's kind of cool. So they were fairly involved. We printed those up and then last night we sat and watched uh, the first three or four episodes of the Punisher. Um, So we had like a mandate watch the Punisher and put together uh, like cosplay weapons that were going to so you dress uh, mount, each other. Yep. Mount like uh, acrylic plaques on or mount them on a plaque or however we're going to do it, like as awards for the event. Um, so that's kind of the idea behind those. So I worked on that and then uh, I'm going to Sweden this year to go to Lincoln mm-hmm. and nice. I'm going to take my black shields and my black shields army it's pretty much like it was done. Like I have a 2,500 point army that's fully painted. So I was like, well, cool. I'll just take my black shields. No work needed. Well, then I started reading the event. And of course, Freddie was like, nah, it's Centurion. And here's the special force org and all this crap. So I'm like, well, great. None of my armies work. So I got to paint more stuff. (laughs) So um, I went and, you know, acquired some more units. And so I got to paint up, uh, assemble and paint up and the the suck thing about my black shields it's cool when they're done but it sucks doing them that like every single model in the army is a conversion like every single so like um like my basic guys are one two are three different forge world infantry units smashed into one um and then some third party bits on top of that so um, and then I'm doing some uh, jet bikes and some javelins. So I got like six jet bikes and four javelins, and 10 assault Marines to do. So Damn. I finally got all the pieces in for that. I got some dragon forge bases and some uh, shapeways shoulder pads and then all the other bits I need. And I've been uh, I got most of it built. And then last night I was doing all the magnets because I'm magnetizing all the weapons on the jet bikes and the the javelins. Um, and I also on the javelin, you know, that antenna, that real fiddly antenna that sticks off the front. So yeah. The one that it breaks, the one that's broken on every single javelin out there. No, yeah, mine one. don't break. Cause I magnetized mine. The breakaway. Uh, you know, okay. it's like a rim around shack. You gotta make that. Thing but did, did your first one break? Nope. I was smart <laughs> enough to do it from the get go. Nah. I have the magic oh, wow. eye. Um, <laughs> so anyway, uh, that's pretty much me. So working on that 30k stuff for Lincoln and then uh, printing, just printing stuff for people, printing uh, 40k cosplay weapons and then 160 scale mechs for Battletech. Nice. nice. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. Uh, Mongo, what you been working on, man? Uh, so I've been working on that uh, MDF train from Death, Death Ray Designs. The uh, oh, nice. yeah. Deadbolts Derelict. I got a couple sets of that. Um, I got it all assembled last weekend, and I uh, spent about four cans of primer getting that, uh, getting it primed. And then uh, I got it all, all the base colors down, and I painted it white. And uh, I sat it down and looked at it, and I hated it. So I just uh, repainted it all again in uh, gray. Yeah, when you told me you were doing it white, I was like, dude, what the fuck are you doing, man? But I was like, oh, well, you know what he's doing. So I'm going I'm to yeah. let it fly. You know, I followed the uh, like the quick paint recipe that they had on their on their website, and it, yeah. it looked really good on there when he did. 
But then once I had a bunch together and I laid it down, it just looked like it was primed white. It, it, it looked unfinished. Yeah, I hadn't done any of the details yet, but I I could just tell I wasn't going right. to be with it. So, yeah, I, I, t- I just took some, uh, some gray, like a light gray rattle can and just went over it real quick. And yeah. uh, it darkened it up. I'm way happier with the way it's looking now. So uh, I'm about ready to start doing the chipping and, and adding details to it. So hopefully in the next week or two, I'll have that done. And then, yeah. Uh, yeah, I've been working on some uh, breachers for my Sons of Horus, trying to get a, a solid ZM force together, like a dedicated nice. one. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been working on some old uh, armor cast terrain. I've got some uh, old, like, consoles. They look like like machine, like ship's consoles that I've got together. I started basing them, putting the base colors on them for cool. uh, just for some, like, scatter and some interest when we're doing, like, ZM games or whatever. Yeah, just to break it up, because just a lone ZM board can be kind of boring. Yeah, you need, you know, so we could designate like, a, you know, like maybe that's an engine control room or you have a bridge or something like that. And then, uh, what, yeah. The, uh, I've got another set too of, uh, if you remember, Armacast made like these like, like resin, like terrain where you like, you know, take a couple like soda cans and you, glue like tops and stuff on them in a base yeah 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 Found some old ones of those that i have i've uh been bringing life back to that and i've been doing uh taking a lot of pictures of that as i work in progress so i'll be able to post that because i'm using a lot of oils on that we could do a little uh nice oil yeah. in the future a future episode but yeah yeah that's about that's about it for me right there nice big yeah. project yeah talking um going back to that white real quick yeah white's one of those colors if you're not because i i've painted obviously i painted a lot of white with these world leaders and death guard and then with doing like white scars and stuff um white is one of those colors if you're not happy with it right away you're gonna fucking hate it when you're done Mm -hmm. so good call with uh fixing that up right away man nice yeah that was so arrogant wow damn um okay uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all right uh lewis what you been working on man all right so um typically uh i had just hosted the first ever i would say on the east coast at least yep adeptus titanicus event with a nice. solid turnout turnout it's pretty happy with the amount of people that showed up for it how many did show up I believe it was around 11 with a late comma that's pretty good fully painted uh, mostly fully painted. I'll okay. Say mostly, okay. at least people have free color minimum. Okay. Um, so I was I was pretty happy with the turnout. Um, great bunch of people. Uh, it was a the each round created like a different unique aspect. So what I did with this event, and I'm in the middle of writing it up as we speak, is uh the. Adeptus Titanicus event of what happened. So it was uh, the rupture of Mars, and it was like uh, loyalists versus traitors, and actually got a surprising twist in it, which I will tell you as I release the event for it. But some of the highlights, like there was one point, uh, hashtag fuck uh, Al was about <laughs> to make it off the board with the special package, and as he got to the edge, the player he was playing against turned his Reaver punched it in the head Al's Reaver exploded <laughs> but it, in that explosion he took out the guy that just punched him in the head so it was like a, a tap a tap 
So and and the whole event was just full of very similar scenarios. Uh, I didn't a, a lot of fun games happened, and I'm I'm pretty happy with the turnout. Uh, I definitely think this could be something we can morph into the Heresy universe in event wise going forward. Yeah. So a lot of the guys that showed up for that were they you like your normal like Horus Heresy 30k players that we kind of already have in a group, or were they you know like coming in, kind of seeing that for the first time. So, uh, actually, believe it or not, I'm going to give a shout-out to hashtag upstate New York. Fuck them. Well, not <laughs> fuck them, but, like, you know, those guys, they listen to the podcast, and they, they like what we talk about, and they actually are uh, moving away from the 8th edition as they don't like the scene that it's creating. So they're more into, like, the smaller games right now, and they were listening to our podcast, and Actually, one of the guys that came to the event, he was telling me the morning of. So Mythicos uh, posted up that it was a mega battle. It was a it was a tournament. Sorry, I shouldn't say mega battle. And that he started getting like nervous, and then he listened to the podcast where I just said, "Ignore what it says on the website. It's a narrative campaign." Like, and he was like, "I was so happy to hear that." He's like, because when you go to those those events, it's just like it's aggressive, it's standoffish. He's like, he's like, I was so happy to hear the. I was like, yeah, if it's an event that we're running, it's probably a narrative. I was like, I don't think we'd want to do a tournament base. I know you could probably do it with Titanicus, but we're too fucking retarded to actually run a tournament well. So <laughs> that too. Um, yeah, like Shane didn't even show up to this. Fuck you! I fuck you. Fuck you. God damn it. Guy's got the most units and he, he still doesn't show There's up. a fucking curse around my head right now with this going to Jersey, man. I swear. <laughs> I'm like not, I, oh my God, I make a conscious effort to not have like anything, like any, because I have a concealed carry permit. I make sure I don't have that when I go to Jersey. Like it's going to magically appear in my car and I'm going to get arrested next time <laughs> I go to Jersey. I swear to God. God damn it. <laughs> Yeah, it was funny. I was like, "Yeah, there was meant to be one other guy who, but he's he he managed to get the flu mysteriously." Dude, it <laughs> fucking sucked, man. And then guess what happened? Monday morning, I'm still like dying from the flu. My ass is up on the roof trying to troubleshoot this goddamn humidifier. I was like, "Oh, fuck, <laughs> sucked." Uh, so you know what I got from the event is it's it's pulling people that play different games. It's not just heresy players. And it's fun. Good. You could bust out like a 1500 point game in about an hour. So it's really not an hour, hour and a half. Like, um, there's some misconception with the rules. I think Games Workshop needs to clarify some of them. They popped up. We just ended up doing a dice roll on it. I think we see that in all their games, though. Yeah. Yeah. If you're much. looking for a solid rule set, you need to look elsewhere. <laughs> it's just. I'm sure Ryan could comment on that on no a fact comment. for uh... <laughs> <laughs> no comment. Just straight out no comment. Yeah, so uh, I had to do a lot of like we'll roll this dice and on a one to three it's this and on a four to six it's this and just went mm-hmm. that way with it. Uh, and then to top it off, I did a three v three battle at the end, um, just to kind of sum up the event. Yeah, something something cool. So it was it was pretty cool. Um and uh the surprising twist was um You're actually a woman. Sneak peek, there wasn't any uh Legio Mortis until the final round. What's what? going on? Holy shit. Uh 
so that that was a lot of fun and and hashtag fuck mythicos for hosting that one that was a lot of fun um there will be on the 23rd more adeptus titanicus so if you're looking to play yeah there will be adeptus titanicus at that event too but that is more heresy related so there'll be some but not as much as the strict at event and then in terms of actual hobby progress so last time I went to Betrayer, I got screwed over because I didn't really have anything to deal with flyers. So I went and ordered a Derrideo and a Leviathan. The Derrideo for so the So you flyers. still didn't have anything to deal with flyers? <laughs> <laughs> People hating the Derrideo. I, I, I think they're good. Every, every time I played one, they've been monstrous. <laughs> You've got that well, fire. I'm not saying it. it's bad. I'm saying it sucks at any flyer. <laughs> It just what? Why? Because it just doesn't put out enough volume of shots to get through that jank, or because I can just not fly in its shitty arc of fire that's forty-five degrees. <laughs> um, okay, it only well, shoots three sixty on your turn. If you're going to intercept with it, it only shoots forty-five. So I just fly not in that arc and then shoot it right in the face with a kraken, and then it's gone, and then it can't shoot me back. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. All right. Since uh, Ryan's on here, what is uh, your wonderful advice or the unit you must have for a flyer? Like for any air? For any air, yeah. Well, now you just use cheesy augury scanners since they have you know infinite range or whatever. You just load up a ten man tactical or ten man heavy squad with flak missiles and augury scanner. So we 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 house rule it here on the East Coast where we we play it the old way because that's fucking stupid. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I agree that it's stupid, but okay. So you can do that. If you want something that um are you playing you're playing Marines or Mechanicum? Let's go with Marines. For anyone else. Okay. Listening. So you want something if you're going to if you're going to intercept, it needs to have a three hundred and sixty degree field of fire. Okay. Because it's too easy to arc because you can't move on your opponent's turn. All you can do is shoot at whatever arc that you're set in at their movement phase. So if you don't have 360 and you're playing with anybody that has four brain cells, they have to have at least four. Three doesn't cut it. <laughs> they can literally just go, okay, well, let's point in this direction. We agree on that, right? And you'll go, yeah. And you're like, well, I'll just stick my flyer right here. <laughs> so you need to find something. If you're worried about actually intercepting a flyer, you need to have something with 360 with intercept. If you're not worried about intercept and you just want to shoot a flyer down, um, then I would say your the best option is your own flyer, like a fire raptor, is, fire raptor or a Xiphon is probably your best anti air. That's uh, I actually uh, previously on the last episode I built a fire raptor, so I've now added two two things to help me deal with it because fuck. Um, what are the Mechanicum drones with Haywire? Uh, Vulture X. Oh, yeah, fuck Lord. those. Fuck those guys. Yeah, there's really nothing... You're not going to intercept... That, those things are way too durable, um, even with the quote-unquote nerf. Would, the, would they take them from toughness 7 to 6, but they still have a 360 flare shield or whatever? Yeah, they're ridiculous. After playing them, I, I, there's very few units I don't think they're like massively overpowered. That, I feel, is. Yes, it is. Um... Man, that that thing, it's not there's not really a lot you can do about that other than kind of ignore it. Um, you can try to uh kill any type of control that they have uh over it so that it has to basically shoot at the nearest thing. 
and then just try to feed it stupid shit like rhinos or whatever. So it's shooting haywire at a 35 point rhino instead of something that they want to shoot it at. No, that's, that's definitely a good strategy. Um, it was definitely an eye opener because I don't think in the New Jersey scene we come up against too many flyers. So I never really had to worry about it. But playing against them, I was like, I need something to deal with some of this shit. <laughs> Yeah, the, about the best thing to deal, like just straight deal with that to shoot it down, would be like a suborbital wing of Avengers. Yeah, or a suborbital wing of three Zyphons, like because you're at that point you're shooting what six twin link last cannons and then three of those two shot missile launchers, so another six, and all of those things because it's uh, the last cannons a wound on twos, the missiles a wound on threes, and all of it ignores its armor. Yeah, that's no. That's, I I was looking at the Zyphon. I like I I love the model of the Zyphon, but I think I spoke to Al about this, and he said they suck. Well, yeah, he don't like them. They're very uh, set in their role. Like they're really pretty much only good at any air, but they're great at any air. The problem with them is you could take something like a Fire Raptor that, as far as any air goes, will do 90% of the anti-air job that the Xiphon does while also doing tons of other stuff. Yeah. I, I love the Fire Raptor. I like the yeah. model. I, I love the output from it. You just can't beat it. Yeah. I think the, the, the Avenger, if you like the Fire Raptor, you should look into maybe getting an Avenger or two and run them in a suborbital wing. I think you'd like them. Yeah, definitely. Can vouch for that. They're fucking sweet. And they look awesome, too, which helps. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, the awesome models. You just want to play with them more because they look cool. Um, yeah. So I had that. I painted those guys up. And um, really now it's just on to February 23rd for our event in New Jersey. And then going back to I'll have Betrayer on the 2nd. I'll have another painting class with uh, Mongo on the weekend after Valentine's Day. So hopefully by the end of this, I should be able to pump out pretty good models with <laughs> two painting classes coming up. <laughs> yeah, Shane's going to have to make you a t-shirt. Keep talking about it. <laughs> There's already a t-shirt that says I, I brought 15 fire drinks on last. <laughs> I, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you've, you've done that multiple times too, so there you go. Ooh. <laughs> Bike drop, no. Uh, yeah, so that, that's really my hobby progress. I mean, Shane, you're the only one left. What is your hobby progress? So I've, I have, I've had a lot of progress, actually. I got um, four or five buildings built and primed for Titanicus, which I've already ran to build. Um, for, or uh, GW really shit the bed on that when they built it, but whatever. Um, I built primed did the armor color and i'm doing the trim right now while recording for uh my alpha legion zm force that i've been having a wet dream about for what a year now almost um let's see what else did i do hey have you guys made fun of shane that his name on here is butcher snails <laughs> we have not. You can be the first person. <laughs> what? 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 <laughs> yeah, right. I'm reading it as butcher snails, not butcher's nails. Just so that's you know. fine. 
When you make it all one word, it definitely turns into butcher snails. (laughs) Well, that's okay. It's funny because he's probably really slow at attacking. (laughs) Yeah. It's true. Once I get out of that drop pot, I got nothing. (laughs) (laughs) It's like trying to build a world leader army with nothing but cowth boxes. Like literally nothing else. (laughs) They're butcher snails. You, uh, and you have to use that contemptor with no um, blood and skulls industries conversion bits for that. Like it has to just be straight that monopose bullshit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jesus. Sorry to interrupt you. You probably don't ever remember what you're talking about, but I just, I, I'm looking, you're lighting up when you talk and I saw butcher snails and I was like, what the hell? <laughs> That's okay. Um, so I've been hammering out some work on the uh, Alpha Legion Uh, I also got built I don't know if I did in my last episode it's been a while Uh, built, primed, got the metallics down the red and the white on my next two warhounds for ATs Uh, also got the bases uh, uh, based, primed, and painted Uh, still gotta do a little work on them yet Process um, your butcher's snails. <laughs> yeah, pretty much on that. Well, I put them off to the side because I had a commission I had to do for Blood Bowl. Um, I did. I had to crank that out, and then I had some other shit cre- creep up, like trying not to die from the flu. Um, and then the other thing I've been doing is I've actually been preparing for this cult of paint class that we will talk about in a little bit. Um, but I've been trying to make sure I go through and get all my materials together for that. So I'm um, really, really excited to go to that out in uh, Indiana, but we'll talk about that a little later. I'm really looking forward to a 10 hour drive with you. <laughs> it's going to be, I don't, I don't mind long drives. Um, so I, yeah, I mean, it'll be tedious, but I, it, I don't know. I'm excited. 10 hours great. ain't shit. That was nothing on the way to Texas. That was like, well, yeah, and you're driving through fucking Oklahoma too, aren't you? Well, I don't know. I just remember driving to Texas. That was bad. <laughs> the company was great. Having Chris Duncan and Henry with me was great. And then on same thing on the way back, Henry, we dropped off like five hours in on the way back, but had Chris. But man, that's just it's just too long of a drive, especially straight through. We drove straight through both ways. Damn, yeah, you didn't that's, stop yeah. up. It is a long drive, yeah. Yeah, so, um, okay. I think that's it for Hobby Progress. I know I did some other shit, but I can't fucking remember what it was. So we got, uh, yeah, we got a releases today. Um, Lewis, what, uh, you want to talk about a little bit? Yeah, no? so, yes. yeah, so we, right, so let's, let's talk about Titanicus first, because uh, I'm pretty pumped about the releases. I know Shane is. We yeah, have a couple yeah. of releases. One, I'm going to bitch about the price. Well, the yeah. others, I'm not going to talk about the price. No comment. So first of all, if you guys didn't happen to buy the new Warlord with the two Plasma Annihilators, the Laser Blasters, and the Fist, which was 110 bucks, you can instead buy the Weapon Sprue for 42 bucks. Might as well just go out and buy the Warlord. Most gaming clubs give a discount. You might as well go get buy the warlords and have an extra warlord just saying yeah i was really surprised uh i know 
Brian's over here pleading the shit out of the fifth, but the, <laughs> the fucking like I couldn't. I was really like that one actually got me. I was really surprised because God damn, that's a fucking ripoff. I'm still gonna buy it because I'm a fucking idiot, but like God damn it. I just was shocked to see it's forty two bucks. I'd rather just go out and buy the Titan, build it up, and get all the extra parts for a little bit more money. That's personally my only gripe. That's all I'm going to say. I have those weapon sprues. It's I almost like that's planned. Like they just want you to buy the whole thing. Oh, this definitely more money. plans. They're definitely planning that. <laughs> so, totally I uh, recommend that. The next thing on Titanicus is the new Reaver that is coming out. Yep, can't wait chain, to get that. Chain Fist, it's the Plasma Annihilator and the Turbo Laser on top. Isn't there another weapon in there too? Is there more than that? I don't know. Maybe not. I forget. I don't know. I'm too lazy. I'm not looking it up. I'm not looking these... up. You're just gonna... No, I'm painting these fucking rivets on the breachers for these goddamn Alpha Legions. So I'm like, no patience is left outside of this. It not fucking happening. You just get frustrated. Ah, damn it. It's just so intense. And I can paint pretty quickly, and this just. There's no quick way to do this. I'm just wanted to look this Why up. Um, it's a pair of Sun Fury Plasma and not a server one. Melter Cannon Chain Fist. Uh, there it is. Yeah, there you go. Don't think I'm going to run the Chain Fist on a Reaver, but I would definitely like the Melter Cannon. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And probably okay. also cool. it's uh, Turbo Lasers on top. But so then, so you have that launching, and then the big one for Titanicus is Titan Death. Yeah, that is fucking awesome. And see, that's that surprised me. That's thirty five bucks, right? Thirty was it thirty five or is it forty? No, no, thirty five. It's probably ten pages. <laughs> yep, probably. But You're still, the boss so low, ten pages. That's, that's what including we're the table guys. of contents and the. <laughs> Blank in the last one that has, you know, like <laughs> and the page the of credits. credits. Yeah, and the glossary. <laughs> the, yeah. the credits that say Matt Ward had nothing to do with this. <laughs> I, if you want me to give you a gripe about that, I could go on a rant about that damn rule book and then not having a freaking index or a glossary. What the but hell is up with that? <laughs> but it's so hard to make, right? I'm not even going there. Because <laughs> I'll just go on this rant. Like every time I pick up the rule book, I go to the back and I'm like, oh, that's right. They decided There's that no wasn't relevant. <laughs> yeah, because fuck me, right? Check that out. There's a bunch of new rules for different legions. There'll yeah, be, and uh, the, new mana poles. There's some and... transfers coming out. Oh, transfers. There are new transfers. Check out the transfers. Uh, if you're looking for it, it's going to be awesome. Pretty excited to have those come to the market for the game uh that would be it for adeptus titanicus i believe we also had some heresy releases uh they, they released uh, night rules for the knights that they put out for that have come out in eighth the questorus knight dominus and the uh armager the knight armagers i'm not really a fan of either of those especially the dominus you know like i'm just not crazy about the way it looks uh, the rules aren't it terrible, stupid, you know. Yeah. They seem in line. Um, I think the, the when the models are awful, it has to have something that makes it sell. So they 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 better fucking nail the rules because that fucking model ain't gonna sell itself. No, what? and I, that that stupid harpoon that's kind of silly. They put a lot of rules on that. I mean, it's got what six special rules on that. It's kind of twelve inch range, strength ten. 
Yeah, it's the Armor not Bane, Flesh Bane, Instant Death, Sunder Harpoon. You're telling me that a Harpoon's going to do more damage than any of these other actual weapons that they have on there? Like, come yes, on, be- get out of here. Because, because of... Because, because Harpoon. Believe- no, because we believe it will. Yeah, I, I shouldn't try and apply <laughs> physics to, uh, <laughs> well, not, <laughs> to this universe. Not, none of their fucking flyers would ever fly. Like, the way they're shaped is just totally against all the laws of aerodynamics. Yeah, my Jeep's got more aerodynamics than that. Yeah, that's true. Yes, I you know looking at the Dominus, I some of the weapons. So you got Shield Breaker, invulnerable saves may not be taken against wounds or hole points inflicted by this weapon. It's strength nine, AP three. That's just ridiculous. Yeah, that's fucking stupid. And when that when that model first came out, like I just glanced and like saw it and i thought that was the new warlord that they said when they were doing the whole titanicus thing and i was so so disappointed <laughs> and then i was even more disappointed when i found out that night that they're putting out with it with like little like cannons on top like that so i don't know yeah that uh, thing is fucking retarded it's that's definitely ugly that's definitely ugly um what most people are excited about is the quest or night homages yeah people seem to really love the fucking things and i don't like, i don't know little mini four hull point dreads yeah you know? i thought the rules seemed seemed okay on them I thought, yeah I yeah they're not book seven rules you know they're not crazy out of this world yeah yep pretty pretty consistent with the whole i did you're talking about out of the releases this one's probably the more rounded it's uh a pretty fair point value cost for them uh, you know i'm not gonna complain not gonna buy one either, but that's another story. Yeah, I think uh, I think they'll be cool. I, it's cool that you could take them in a mechanic port. You don't just have to ally in knights, so be a little more use out of them, I guess. If you have some, if you picked them up in that box that they sold with the Necrons earlier yeah. for the forty uh, k stuff. Yeah, I mean they're really trying to sell these. <sighs> I just don't like them. I, I don't like knights at all, but. Not not in this scale. Titanicus, fuck yeah, give me knights all day. But in this, <laughs> I was no. about to say we should cut in clips of uh, Shane talking about the quest orals and how awesome <laughs> they look, and then the Sarastos and how they're awesome so they cute in Titanicus. Fuck you. Fuck <laughs> off. Goddamn Brits. All right. Was there anything else? That- uh no. Other than bit, book eight is on the printers. So, guys, keep an eye out for that. We will see some Blood Angel rules and some White Scars. Pretty sure that's right. Yes. And some other stuff. I don't remember what else is coming in that book. A book. A book Demons. is coming. Demons. A book is coming. That's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, um, yeah, we're good there. Let's uh, move on into uh, painting. Another break. Oh, yeah. yeah, sure. Let's uh, take a smoke break. I feel I imagine like elevator music. In my I was going to say, put a uh, fucking, yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, do a uh, painting slash airbrush one Oh two, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you uh, bought all this shit. You know how to hook it up and now it's time to uh, put, take those skills to the next level. So uh, Mago, I, why don't you uh, spearhead this one and, and Ryan, feel free to interject here since, uh, you have collectively, you've single-handedly taken more classes here than all of us have collectively. So, okay, we should probably uh, so, so in case you weren't wondering, this episode is a continuation of airbrushing one hundred and one. 
where we basically said, all right, I want to get into airbrushing. What the hell am I doing? And it's like we, we sat down, we went through the different types of airbrushes, the different types of compressors. We sat down and kind of just went through the basics of what you need to get started for airbrushing. So this class is like a, well, this is the, the continuation of like, all right, now I brought all this shit. What the hell do I do next? Like, because I know it's, you know, airbrushing could be pretty intimidating for most people. It is well, you're, me. you're new to airbrushing, Lewis, right? Yes, this is why it works. Because I'm going to act like an idiot <laughs> and ask a bunch of questions. How how long have you been airbrushing for? There, Lewis. Uh, since we, a little bit before we did the airbrushing 101. So, so just a couple months, right? Like yeah. two or three months? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I will, for anyone that's listening, I will act as the idiot. I'm fine. Because I ask all these questions all the time anyway. He says he's acting, but there's there's no acting involved. This is these are real. Gym. These are all real Lewis questions. <laughs> they they have answered them at some Wait, point. Which end does the paint come out of? Is the paint <laughs> edible? <laughs> why why does it bubble? Well, Lewis, you're not supposed to put tapioca pudding in the fucking cup of your airbrush. It, it's blocked. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> why does the cleaner burn my eyes? Um, I know it's, I know one question that you had was about airbrush paint, and if you have to use airbrush paint in there. And the short answer is no. You don't have to use airbrush paint, but it could it could save you time because it's less thinning that you have to do. And the uh, only caveat I would say there are metallics. I would not use normal metallics. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I really, I, if you guys speak on metallics, I rarely airbrush metallics on. Oh, I think it's you it's 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 a uh, uh, I'll do it on you, like a like a sir. Titan. You have but, not. Have, have you run oh, you're into gonna, You're going to yeah. have to teach me, Ben. You're going to have to show me. I'm going to say if you do Iron Warriors, don't like go buy Vallejo. Um, what is that dark steel color from Vallejo Mag- called? What, magnesium? No, the. I think it's just called gunmetal or whatever. Like, don't buy like normal Vallejo gunmetal because it has like flake in it, like you would paint yeah. a bass boat with. And then when you put thinner in it, it thins the actual paint, but the flake is still in there. It clogs so fucking bad. Yes, but you can buy that exact same color in their air version and flake in it, and you're fine. Yeah. Yeah. Get if so if you're going, yeah. Oh my god, you gotta get Vallejo metal. What 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 is this color? Hang on, Vallejo. Yeah. Oh my god, that that stuff is like I would fucking use that in place of KY jelly. That shit's amazing. God damn it. I'm just imagining Shane has like a silver penis because he used it so much. Fuck yeah, dude. It's a mechanical <laughs> penis. I don't know what the hell you're fucking upset about. No, so so let me let me pose it in a different way. Right. So do you just like walk around Pennsylvania and look for dudes with a bunch of like, you know, silver all over their faces and ask if they know Shane? Is that yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's how it goes. Yeah. Like, oh, you've been to his house. Where do I go? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, All right. I'll, I'll post. I'll post the question in a little bit of an uh, more. So, what is the actual difference between airbrush paint and game paint? Um, the so. All right. Uh, the pigment is ground finer in uh, airbrush paint than uh, regular. It's to me like I'm a five year old. Well, and so, there's also what's called a medium in paint, and it's just like additives that basically. It's basically everything that's in there that's not like the pigment. Like it's what kind of holds everything together, the medium part of it. Yeah. And a lot of times they'll make the medium different just so it goes through an airbrush different or is thinner. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's different. I used to work at a pigment manufacturer, and that it is different. People will say, "Oh, it's it's no different. It's just a different label." Well, they're wrong. It is fundamentally it different. It is a different paint. It the color may be the same, but it is different. It will run better in your airbrush. Um, it even cleans out of your airbrush better. Like I, when I use non, so one of the colors I use a lot of is actually Vallejo Game Color Glacier Blue. I use it okay. for OSL. I use it for how I do uh, one of my four different methods of doing white. Um, it's just a great color, but <clears throat> they do not make that in an airbrush paint. So I, I, and that's not a problem. You know, you just in it a little more heavily than you normally would and toss it in the airbrush, but it, it's a pain in the ass to clean out. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't clean as easily as uh, my airbrush paints. Now that could be because I'm not thinning it as well as I should, which I am going to learn all about that very soon. My local game store doesn't sell uh, airbrush paints, and I they have a special for game paints. Can I still use them? You definitely can. You can definitely thin. Um, it's just going to take a little bit more work. Them? How do I go about thinning them? So uh, you airbrush use, thinner. Yeah, air, use airbrush thinner. A lot of people will tell you, you know, use Windex, or you know, you can use just water, but airbrush thinner is going to work the best. Don't the, use uh, Windex. Don't no. Do not use Windex. It's got ammonia in it. Yeah, you do not really want to run that through your airbrush. Um, yeah, I was gonna say the uh, well, for one, like I don't. There's there's this thing called the internet, and you can just order airbrush paints. It doesn't matter where you live, even if you yeah. live like on Easter Island. I'm sure UPS will deliver there. I'm yeah. sure. I mean, that's um, how you get your paints. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. You could always just order online or whatever, but if you like you said, uh, if you if it's like for whatever reason some weird scenario or you just already have them laying around and you want to use your game paints, you can just uh, thin them. You just need to make sure, like all your like water based acrylic paints, you can just use normal airbrush thinner. If you're using something like a Tamiya paint or something that's not an acrylic, um, you need to use a thinner specific for that paint. So like if you're using Tamiya paint, you can't use normal airbrush thinner. It'll turn to like cottage cheese in your it airbrush and plug it up. up. Yep. So you'll, you'll want to use their specific, uh, what is that? X 20 or whatever it is. The Tamiya thinner. 20. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. But anyways, like, because that's not an acrylic paint, but as long as you're using just normal, what you would consider normal game paint, normal acrylic paint, you can just use pretty much any brand airbrush thinner i usually just use the vallejo stuff but there's other stuff out there curious question what consistency if you were going to water it down what consistency should it be should it be like super runny or should it be like of some thick consistency if there's no correct answer for that it depends on your damn Air pressure, your relative humidity, what, uh, how how high a pressure you're spraying your airbrush, what type of airbrush you have, what type of paint you have, um, what time of day it is. I, I, I just made that last one up, but there are literally <laughs> too many yeah. variables. That's yeah, your that's a trick styles. question. You yeah. literally just have to mix it, um, and you kind of like will just get a feel for what looks right for the type of paint you're using. And then after you you always test spray it on something like uh, the best thing to test spray on if you go to like Walmart or whatever you can buy like it's like foam board or whatever it's like kind of a little split they make those like 
political signs or yard signs out of. It's like yep. uh, a weird plasticky material, like sandwiching foam. Mm-hmm. And it's like the same surface uh, texture of like a resin or plastic model. If you just, you can buy a huge sheet of that for next to nothing, cut it into little squares. When you like mix up something, if it's something new, you can spray it on there from the distance, you know, using all the variables that you're going to use for your current project. And if it starts spidering, you got it too thin. If it starts spattering, it's too thick. Um, so it's just something you just have to, you know, it's it's just something that's a case by case basis. Okay. Hard and fast, Lewis. I mean, you could go two um, percent milk is a good kind of judge for uh, how the consistency of your paint would be. But like Ryan said, some of the, some paints that might that might just be too much, and other paints that you know might not be enough. Mm-hmm. Or so you just, or you just get there. Yeah, it's going to depend on your pressure too. And like Ryan said, the type of airbrush and uh, nozzle size that you have. So if you yeah. have a larger nozzle size, you're not, you might not have to thin it as much, but you're going to have to run a lower pressure on a lot of stuff. You know? So it's, you, you, you got to play with it. Yeah. Even the see. distance you're spraying at. So like if you're, mm-hmm. if you're doing this, uh, you know, one of these painting classes, like uh, Shane is about to come take or whatever, and you're literally panel shading like greaves on infantry where your airbrush is like two inches away because you're literally painting each panel on a space Marine using light shading separately. Uh, And you're using like a, you know, usually a 0.2 nozzle on an airbrush and you're that close in on the model. If you miss it, mix it too thin, the air coming out as you're applying it is just going to make it spider all over the model. Yep. But if you mix it too thick, it's not going to come out because you're using a 0.2 nozzle. So it really depends. Like the type, the the smaller the nozzle, the closer you get, the more precise you're trying to be. The closer, the the, the harder the 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 tolerances shrink. Yep, that makes All sense. Right. So you actually covered like two points that I wanted to mention. The first one, since we're on nozzle size, and I'm assuming Shane's is pretty small. Two inches. <laughs> small needs. gun, small nozzle, right? Hey, man. Two inches of rock-hard fury. So, I, since we're out there, there's a bunch of size. So, for me, personally, I went out on the SOTAR 2020, and That's I brought the... Point two. Point two. It's a fine detail brush, I believe. Is what it was that is a as. bold move, sir. It is a very bold move, but I also brought the Iowasa Neo. Which, mm-hmm. so, you know, what's the best needle for the best application? Like, for example, what needle should I do for, like, facing an army? Or what should point, I go for? Point four is generally considered, like, will cover 90% of what you're going to do in miniature painting. Yeah. Point four. I use a, uh, the hell is it? Oh, fuck, it doesn't say an ultra-fine needle. What the fuck size is that? It's the ultra-fine needle from uh, Badger, because I run a Badger Renegade Chrome. That should be a point two if it's the ultra-fine. Yeah, that's what it is. Okay. And I that for everything. Um, the only thing I didn't have any luck with on that was actually uh, trying to apply varnish. And then I switched to the larger needle, but uh, it worked fine for priming, although I wouldn't recommend it but <laughs> yeah lewis that neo has a 0.35 nozzle on that one is what it comes with okay yeah you should be good that should be a general good pretty good general all-around brush 
So, and then with we, you briefly covered it, air pressure. So this, I, I feel like this is going to be a personal preference thing, but you know, when I first started, I was spraying like sixty psi, <laughs> going at it. So you're so, you what know, the cold of paint guy or uh, the uh, damn it. CK oh, Studios. Caleb's gonna be mad at me. CK Studios, uh, call a pig pen. <laughs> it was, it was just like a, I, you know, I just invested in this. I'm like, you know, because I'm so used to using paintbrushes at this point, and like people are like, nah, get an airbrush. And I'm looking at airbrush models. I'm like, all right, let, let me invest in this. And it's like, all right, I don't know what pressure I need, so I just go out on full blast. I'm like, all right, this is awesome. Just did a model in like five seconds, and then. Uh, <laughs> It's, it's, it's like I start talking to people and they're like, "What are you doing?" It needs to be like twenty psi, <laughs> and I'm like, "Why?" <laughs> and like I started going to twenty psi. I'm like, "Oh, this makes sense now." <laughs> like, <laughs> like that so, kind of thing. So let's let's talk about psi. Let's let's go psi route. So twenty, yeah, twenty psi is like a good ballpark to start at with that nozzle size and that brush in particular. But it's again, it's going to depend on how thick or thin you have that paint and really what you're trying to paint and distance you're spraying from the model like if you're doing like what i talked about like when matt kane came here last year and we were doing the panel shading on the infantry i turned my air pressure down to like i don't know 12 to you know right around 12 because i was only spraying like two inches from the model so um i had to mix the paint real thin to get it to come out and apply right. But if I had the air pressure too high, it was spidering all over the model. So that goes back to like what we said earlier, you know, like he was just saying you, it's, it's different every time when you start adding in all those variables. Yeah. I, I run from anywhere from eight to 12 PSI and I've run as, as four on stuff when I'm working on like a, like I was doing little like spots of glowing on a character and, and it was so small and I wanted to use the airbrush for it. So I dropped it down to four PSI and uh, it worked. I, I don't know if I would do that again. Cause that was pretty fucking hairy, but <laughs> it's yeah, there's no right or wrong way to do it. Well, like, I, like if you're just doing general airbrushing 20, kind of the magic number. Yeah. All right, so you know, since we're talking about air pressure too, you know, for me, when I got a uh, airbrush, you know, I just assumed it was for basing, so that's all I've been using it for. But then people are telling me you can go into detail with it. So, you know, for someone who's just getting into this, when should I use an airbrush, and 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 when should I just you know pick up a paintbrush? A lot of that ties into your your uh, trigger control. So one of the first things when I have people ask me, hey, can you? What, so one of the things I offer with my painting studio is I will teach, I give out free painting lessons. Um, so a lot of people, the most common requested thing is, Hey, I just bought an airbrush. Can you teach me how to use it? Absolutely. So one of the things, the first things I have people do is uh, I have them get a regular sheet of printer paper and then just take um, black or a red or a bright color and I have them do trigger control exercises. And what yep. I mean by that is I basically practice like signing your name. And when you sign your name, I tell them I want you to keep the line consistent throughout the whole thing. Meaning the color should be the same shade and the same, con the same concentration of color throughout. So like 
which means you're going to have to back off on that trigger when you go to come to a point where in curse of your, the letters cross. Mm -hmm. And that's hard when you're first starting out. That's really fucking hard. Um, And then do like practice doing circles where in the beginning, in the middle, it's pure black and then it slowly fades out to white. Um, And that's just different ways to teach you how to get comfortable and learn the needle and the trigger um, reaction on your airbrush and, and how the two kind of work together. And then also learning how your hand, you know, like how your hand sits and, and is comfortable with that airbrush. It's kind of hard to describe. I'm, I'm doing a lot of gestures, which is great for audio format. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. There's a camera pointing at you as you make these gestures. Yeah. Magically turned into audio files. I don't know. You guys want to weigh in? I'm fucking grasping. <laughs> one, one thing that helps too when you're trying to work on different pieces is uh, when you move from brush painting to airbrushing is doing stuff in like sub-assemblies and partial assemblies. Like yes. before you started airbrushing, you might have assembled the whole miniature, primed it, and then painted it all at once with a brush. But with an airbrush, especially when you have different like, like a Space Marine with shoulder pads and you're doing a different color, the backpack is... Or maybe you're a Space Wolf player and none of your dudes wear helmets, is doing sub assemblies and you can lay down your colors easier apart instead of trying to like tape stuff off and stencil it. Or brush painting, coming back in and brush paint that, if you keep them apart, you can uh, airbrush those pieces and it'll go a little bit faster for you if you're doing like big lots and uh, you know you can get some really cool effects that way. Also, you need to learn how to mask the model using the model. Yeah. There you go. So like if you hold like if you're spraying if you're wanting like the glacius on a rhino and you're trying to fade it but you don't want it to get on the top you need to angle the model in your hand so when you're spraying with the airbrush if you if you're if you were line of sighting down the airbrush and you can't see the top of the model you're not going to be able to spray paint on the top of the model. So just by turning the model a certain direction you can spray paint onto it without getting paint where you don't want it to go. Masking is actually a pretty interesting. So, um, for people getting into it, do you recommend using any other material for masking? Well, that so well, what I was just talking about is an actual like, okay, it's not masking tape. It's, so there's it's... masking where you actually masking tape parts off. That's one technique. What I'm saying is, you turn the model in your hand to use parts of the model to block other parts off. So when you spraying paint. You don't actually have any masking tape on the model. You're just spraying from a direction where you can't actually get paint on the parts that you don't want to get paint on. It's like, Lewis, it's like when you're taking a shot on the street, you know, it's not going to get on the back of your head unless that aims really good just because of the way you're facing the dude, right? Hey, you're talking to an English person. It's, it does not a gun enthusiast. <laughs> you'll use a different example. I'm not, I'm not talking. I'm talking a different. I'm talking about the single right. action trouser so, mask. Okay, right let's try explaining it another way. <laughs> so anyway, it, when you when you guys come take this cold to paint class, this is a big part of the class. So you guys are going to learn this. Um, Shane sounds like he already knows this, but uh, you're you're definitely going to learn this. So. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm not. It's kind of hard to explain without visualization. But basically the point is when you hold the model and you're spraying paint, you need to like picture it in your head where the light source is coming in at and how you're holding the model, how the 
the paint coming out of the airbrush, where it's going to hit the model, how it's going to hit the model, what part is going to get paint on it, what part isn't going to get paint on it. And then the parts that get paint on it, those are going to be the brighter points. So you need to make sure that also lines up with your imaginary light source. Okay. So have you heard of the term Zenithal highlight, Lewis, or a top-down? Have you heard that term? I've only heard top down us because that's the way you like your dudes, but get yeah, there you go. Okay. Uh, no, I know I'm I'm aware of Xenophore. Okay. Is, uh, for so, the listeners that aren't aware of it. So when you do that, you hold the model in your hand, right? And you, you're gonna angle the model towards your airbrush. So so that let's if I'm taking a space marine, I'm gonna turn him so that his head is almost in line with my airbrush, so that the you know the two are both vertical, but the head is pointing towards my airbrush, right? Yep. And then you'll pull the, you know, you'll you'll pull back on your trigger. You'll do your top down highlight. So let's just say uh, it's a black model. I'm doing some pre shading, so it's black. So I'm gonna get some white on there to to get that pre shading on. So I turn, give it a quick shot to get that white on the top there. If you turn that model upside down now after you're done painting, you look. There's not gonna be any white on the underside of that model, right? Yep. Well, that, that's, that's what Ryan's kind of talking about here. That's an extreme example, but that's how you would do it. Or if you're, like, you're painting a breacher shield and you, you go straight at the breacher shield and you, you, you know, let's say you're doing world leaders and you want the shield to be blue. Of course, world leaders. Uh, let's, let's well, uh, I'm doing an extreme example here. Um, let's say the shield's blue and you, you fucked up and you, you put them on, you glued it on the model. So if you turned it and you airbrushed on that, you pointed your airbrush at the shield right? You, yeah. you, and you, start, you put a little blue dot in the middle. Well, there's not going to be any blue on the other side. Yeah, so you're using the model to mask itself. You, yeah, the model's going to catch the paint and it's not going to travel to the rest. Alright. I, I, I understand. I understand. It's, it's a yeah. similar concept to masking tape. It's just there's no masking tape. There's no Yeah, but it, it's how product. you get light sourcing. So you're going to learn this in the painting class when you come to Indiana. Um, and then oh. also what you ask about masking tape. Um, Tamiya makes really good model masking yes. tape just because it's it's Shit's specifically amazing. designed for modeling. So um, it's just the right, you know, tackiness. And it's also comes in, you can get it in varying widths. And the widths are usually properly sized for like doing uh, striping and stuff on models. Yeah. The other thing that I learned through all these painting classes when you're actually physically masking a model where you're not trying to get paint on some places. If you're like, say you're doing uh, an aircraft and mm -hmm. you've painted the whole plane, the base color, and you're just wanting to add this, a stripe to the wing instead of literally covering the entire plane with masking tape, except for the one little stripe, what you can do is tape off the stripe where you have the, the area exposed that you want with tape on either side and then take a uh, saran wrap or for our British counterpart here, cling film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've, I've, been here. That one. <laughs> I've been to the, been to the uh, home country. So I kind of know the lingo a little bit. So um, you take your cling film and you put it over the model. Um, and then like, and then you line the edge of the, the saran wrap slash cling film up with your tape that you've already put on and then put another row of tape on top of it. So it's a quick way to mask an entire model because you're using this great yeah. big sheet of saran wrap that it's also because it's all one piece. It actually 
and it's uh it it covers the model better because there's no gaps like when you put several rows of tape on there's gaps there's always going to be gaps uh so it's faster cheaper and actually does a better job and i didn't learn that like i can't tell how many models i put all this fucking tape on and then went to spray them and it still went through and i had to fix it and fucking like the first time i did my avengers it literally looked like a blue mummy like it there was so much tape on this fucking plane like it was just tape for days it literally took me probably four hours to mask that thing and then like another probably 45 minutes to get the tape off and then it still fucked up and it still paint still weren't where i didn't want it to go where if i'd have known about oh just saran wrap it and like tape your little spot off then saran wrap the rest of the model and then just tape down the edge of the saran wrap to where you've already put the tape i'm like oh so it was like (laughs) that was a genius uh tip no thing that i learned in these painting classes that's 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 awesome a uh an eraser too actually will go a long way with putting masking tape down so go to like wherever walmart whatever your craft store or uh your office depot and just get like a regular big like uh pencil eraser and when you apply the masking tape when you put that down to make sure you get a nice seal i always just take the eraser and just give it a quick rub on there because it's soft, so it doesn't mar the paint already. Um, but it makes sure so you get a nice. Give it a quick rub when it's soft. <laughs> that's yeah, that, that's true. Yeah, Lewis, what's that like? No, I was actually trying to struggle to understand. I I still don't oh. get why Americans call rubbers erasers. Well, rubbers are condoms. And yeah, rubbers are condoms. Are the the end of no, no. If you say that in England, someone's handing you an. What? An eraser. Why yeah, the well, fuck would you call an eraser a rubber? It's if like you're a- in school and you ask the girl sitting next to you if she has any rubbers, you're getting slapped and then expelled. So, <laughs> especially in today's environment. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yep. Yep. Then you're gonna someone's gonna have a hashtag Me Too about you, and you're you're done. Yeah, it's like the Dora the Explorer episode about you know holding spiders are okay, they're not scary. They can't show that shit in Australia because you'll get killed. So <laughs> you know it's a regional thing. You can call them rubbers over there. We don't have to over here. It's fine. Everybody's fine. Just stick stick to what works for you. <laughs> hashtag Me Too. I feel targeted. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> oh um, god totally derailed the uh the, the painting you're on stupid questions <laughs> stupid questions this is true none of these questions are stupid by the way these are all good questions well we say stupid questions because i don't know if you, when i was trying to get into airbrushing it feels intimidating and yeah, a lot of does. people a lot of people are like oh my god like you need like a science lab and it's really not the case now so here's the thing. Here's the other thing that Henry will teach you in this uh, cold paint class. We're going to talk about the number one thing he's going to push is confidence. You just need to have confidence in what you're doing. And actually, the more confident you are, even if it's like, you know, you just started or whatever, the more confident you are in what you're doing, the like it's just going to feel more natural. And you're going to you're going to see that it's actually honestly, it's pretty basic. Like it's once you get over that hump and you realize it's not some weird wizardry it just becomes another tool you use to do a model it makes life easier no it's it's definitely made life easier for me and i'm i'm pretty excited i i've signed up for two classes 
And actually, this will be not really an idiot question, but to Ryan specifically, since you've taken quite a few of these airbrushing classes. Yep. How, how, like, how much of a benefit have these classes been to your airbrushing skills and painting in general? Okay, so let me put it this way. All of my armies that I ever painted, ever, in the history of Ryan since 1994, that I did before I started airbrushing, I have sold or given away. Really? And the only ones that I've <laughs> yep. kept are ones that I've done after I took that first uh, CK Studio class and Cold of Paint class within the same... Or, sorry, MKA class. Nice. So you, you um, for someone who's just going to airbrushing, you would definitely recommend taking a class with someone. Yeah, dude, I airbrushed. We'll call it airbrushing. I had an airbrush and applied paint in a very poor manner with it for close to two years before I took the first class. And after I took that first class, I was further ahead in that first 35 minutes of that first CK class that I took than I was the entire two years of trying to do it on my You know, for me, as someone who's just getting into airbrushing, um, I, I've obviously signed up for two classes. I'm doing the CK Studio one and the Calder Paint with... Which one are you doing first? CK Studios. That's awesome. That's the proper order to do them. So I'm doing CK Studios with Mongo, and that's going to be on Titan Weathering. And I'm weathering is something I'm I'm not particularly good at, so I'm really looking forward to that. Um, and that also I think that comes down to confidence. Uh, and then I will be out at your barn for the second part, which I'm pretty excited about too. So for me, you know, since I've got the airbrush, I can definitely see my skills have improved. There are some questions that I still will pose out to Mongo and Shane and there's Brad, there's there's a bunch of people and, and people don't realize there's a lot of people out there that are like willing to help you and want to help you become a better painter and you just have to ask some questions it's really don't feel bad they probably went through the same thing when they were trying to paint and it's probably my best assumption yeah so caleb and i mean i i've taken several airbrush painting classes with several other people and i've told this to uh other instructors and stuff like the CK Studios 101 class. Like as far as just the ba like if you've never picked up an airbrush before and you're starting from 100% scratch, as far as just learning how to do the very basics, like set your airbrush up, uh mixing paint, uh doing the basic exercises, cleaning and maintaining your airbrush, like all the basic stuff and basic skills you need. I have not taken a class that teaches that better than the CK Studios 101 class. Well, I'm not saying there isn't one. I'm not like talking shit on anybody. And these are this is things I've told yeah. to other people's, you know, faces. Yeah. And I even told this to Caleb. I like I'm like I feel like you guys cover this and do a better job of this than anyone. Now, I mean, on the flip side of that, when you take in, like when I took the MKA course in England or a cold paint class, they they still teach you that stuff, but they condense it down into a much shorter time frame and don't go yeah. over it as intensively. And they get to more advanced techniques and advanced weathering stuff on the back end instead. 
Well, yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty excited because you know there's so much to airbrushing, like, and it can improve the way your models look. Like, um, I happened to get a wonderful image of your blood angels that were posted up on a Facebook group, and they look phenomenal. And they mine, yeah. The, oh, that's my pleb work. My stuff's so much better now. <laughs> your stuff, it it was a phenomenally painted army, and I think if I had the money available, I probably would have snatched it up. I mean, it's it's a gorgeous army. And that was that's all pre uh, that's all pre classes too. That was all just Zenithal highlight, uh, and that was just stuff I muddled through. Um, now that I'm on to like where you do panel shading and all this crazy weathering, um, it's it's just a lot a lot better. Um, I don't really know how else to put it. Like, uh, I'm going to send you some photos right now in the little chat that you started with me and Shane before, as we're talking about this, like stuff that I've done, uh, since the classes, but you'll, uh, I don't know. It, you'll just see, I mean, you're about to, to take these courses and you're, you'll definitely get a sense. Like it's going to change your painting forever. You're going to take these classes and you're never going to paint the same ever again. And you're 100% not going to regret, um, you know, taking these courses. Uh, that's what, that's what I'm most excited about. So like when I was in the hobby back in, I hated painting. <laughs> I, I think, I think if you ask anyone when they first started in the hobby, I hated it. I hated it. And this was pre-computers and the internet. So I was looking at white dwarf and going, yo, I want my models to look like that. And they, they list those paints. And they do they still do it now and it drives me around the bends. You buy those paints and you try and paint it, it looks nothing like it. Like it used to drive me around the bends. Yeah. Well, I mean, a little bit of that is they kind of they especially like they tell you the colors to use, but they're obviously not telling you you know, the techniques to use or whatever. And like, I mean, I know it's pretty legendary. Like that first, what is it? The f one of those masterclass books that they released from actual forge world is just like full of bullshit. Like it's just basically pretty pictures. Like they lie to you about the techniques and shit in it. And they actually lie to you about the materials that some of them used. And then some of the instructions are super useful. Like, they have a picture of this like super beautifully painted engine and they just say effects achieve achieved with paints, washes and weathering powders. I'm like, well, gee, thank you. I can probably just go ahead and do that now. You know what I mean? Like it's, <laughs> this is kind of ridiculous. So, um, yeah, I mean, I just, these classes, man, they're, they're amazing. Like I'm all aboard this, uh, the class train. I mean, and, and I mean, I don't get anything, you know, financial, you know, for pushing these, it was just something I wanted to do. And I took them. And ever since I started taking these painting classes, um, anybody who also listens to our podcast will tell you that, I mean, I, you know, I, I prayed to high heaven, you know what I mean? Like, um, it's, it's something that I've really honestly think everybody should take advantage of. And it, it just pushes your skills so far, so fast. And it starts you at so much of higher of a benchmark. Uh, than just trying to learn stuff on your own. Like I've been painting since 1994. And like I said, like I basically feel like I could have, 
I mean, I, I paint better now than I ever have, which you're going to because, you know, you've been learning since 1994. But I feel like th really the only thing that I use pre-taking these classes, that's a skill that I learned then that I still use, is probably wet brush blending, which I learned on my own, and edge highlighting. I'm extremely good at edge highlighting just because I've edge highlighted, I can't tell you how many damn models. <laughs> um, and it's just one of those things like there's really no secret there's a few secrets edge highlighting but not really most of it is just like Practice. repetition yep. um so it's you know what i mean it's just something that you have to just practice at there's a few little tips and tricks but for the most part not so i'm looking at your raven god that you sent into that chat yeah. that was started beforehand and then it, they look phenomenal. Like hands down, they look amazing. Like definitely lacks a hard there. color to do well. Yeah, yeah. And see, that was what I did. That was the infantry I did in Matt Kane's, uh, like uh, tanks and infantry course. He was the guy that used to do MKA. He started MKA, and uh, Henry from Cold Paint actually worked with him, and then they kind of went their own separate ways and do their own stuff. Now Henry has turned Cold Paint into like that's kind of what he does for a living like that's literally his job um matt is uh active duty military so he doesn't really do paint classes anymore um i think really the only paint classes he's kind of he does a few in england still mm -hmm. like if somebody has asked him like as a friend and the same thing with uh him coming over here the only reason he's doing my classes just because he knows me and likes me and he, he almost you know it's almost kind of like a little vacation to come over here to the u.s plus we're buddies so he just does it you know for me it's not yeah. something that he does as a job or whatever and um he used to we'll talk about it more when we talk about the classes but you know he's the ex forge world uh studio painter so when you go to their website you look at all the primarchs that are beautifully painted and shit on there matt did most of those and he invented almost every scheme that you see on forge world's website like the classic scheme that's like the official one yeah. like he pretty much invented all those the the old the old PDFs that have like five or six mixed colors to to do are those yep. the ones yep. yeah he he pretty much came up with all that yeah those are pretty ah, awesome so he did the world he just blew and white is what you're saying yep nice, nice. you know one so, thing we haven't mentioned that's that is available if you can't like take classes uh patreons there's a lot of really good painters out there that have uh patreons that you could do it's I, it's definitely not going to be as good as you know taking one of these classes and being there in person but a lot of them have like video uh, tutoring and then they'll just have like videos that they post up there and they'll kind of like show what they're doing and they'll do uh, PDF tutorials too and they'll list they'll do like a really nice list of all the all the materials that they're using and all the techniques and kind of break them down that way so that's an option there too for some people that you know if you don't have people in your local area or maybe one of these classes you just can't get to not available yeah, or maybe just yeah, don't check out Patreon in a classroom setting. You know, yeah, yeah. Can can I uh, make a few people mad and make them think that I'm elitist? But it's really just because I'm telling them something they don't want to hear, even though it's the truth. Oh, no, please go do. for it. We're yep. not afraid yep. of offending people. Yeah, we don't. Okay, give a fuck. so <laughs> the thing about these painting classes that drive me nuts is when people complain about the cost or complain about the availability or whatever. So here's the fucking thing about that. And I'm not trying to like get in a pissing match with somebody or whatever. It's all in what you see value in, I guess. And you just need to 
I don't know, like uh, step up to the plate on some of these type of things because people will whine and cry. They'll see these classes and they're like, oh, that's $250 or that's $300 or whatever. So like, for example, the class we're going to talk about, like Matt's class that he's coming to teach, it's it's essentially four days of classroom time that are probably going to be about 10 hours a piece. So 40 hours of teaching. Um, he's charging 400 bucks. So you're looking at basically $100 a day, but for a 10-hour day of knowledge, and it's super condensed. Henry's class is $250 for three days, so you're basically looking at kind of the same thing. These CK classes that people are talking about, I think CK classes are $250 as well, and they're two uh, days. So, yep, something about that. Yeah, so you're looking at roughly 100 bucks a day for these classes, but you're getting 8 to 10 hours of painting time and, and teaching in there. Um, and this is knowledge that you're going to have for the rest of your life. And it's going to change the way you paint every model going forward. And it cracks me up that people will bitch about that, but then will go out and buy like a land Raider for $90. <laughs> and then they glue it together like a three-year-old where they're, fucking glue spiders and tracks hanging off and everything else and then not paint the thing and it and then it's worth like three dollars on ebay <laughs> and it's like you know you'll invest in that and do that to a model but you won't like spend 200 bucks and go to a class and actually learn a skill that makes that model uh, a better return on investment so like if you bought that land raider kit and then painted it to the level that you'll be able to paint it after taking one of these classes. It's pretty safe to say it's probably worth at least what you have in the kit at that point where otherwise, uh, model kits, especially games workshop ones. And I don't think anybody will dispute this. They're one of the, like, it's just as part of pure financial. They're probably one of the worst investments you can make. They're like worse than a used car. When you buy a land raider kit, from your local store and you go out the doorway with it, it instantly becomes worth half as less or half yep. as much money. It just does go to eBay and look now, if you can paint that thing, it can be worth what you paid for it or more. And also, you know, that land Raider, you know, maybe you can lose it. Maybe you drop it. Maybe somebody steals it. You know, there's a million things that can happen to it where that knowledge, you know, nobody can take that away from you. That's a skill you're learning that you'll keep for the rest of your life. And you're talking, you know, when you, when you look at the, the amount of time you're going to get in these classes and the amount of time, if you're an avid hobbyist and you're going to use it for years and years and years, I mean, it's nothing. It's a drop in the bucket monetary wise. When you're looking at this hobby. It really is. Like, Not to mention like hire one of these people to pay them up. Cause some, I think most of them will do not on a huge scale, but most of them will do commission paint job. If you know, I think so hire them to paint a model for you. See how much that runs you. <laughs> it's a uh, lot. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, and I'm not, that's not to say that it's not worth every fucking penny, the paint shop, but you, you could, you could learn the, the skills they're doing for roughly the same price. Yes, absolutely. Maybe a little less actually. But yeah. So I felt like this is a good time to transition on to, the reason why yeah. I, Ryan is here, um, which me and Shane will be there. Yeah, is, fuck yeah. Um, so, I'm so jealous. <laughs> I'm jealous for that car ride. 
<laughs> There's a 10 hour car. Just gonna, yeah, that's just going to be an awesome <laughs> trip. But anyway. I, I'm really excited for this. So, Ryan, I feel I feel like we should have you explain what this um, this painting session is before. Yeah, so we've been talking about this painting course. Uh, what is it? Who is it? Uh, why should we go to it? And where is it? Okay, so I actually have two coming up. So the first one that's happening is the cold paint one, which is the one that you guys are coming to. Yep. Yep. We'll be so there. So it's a... Um, it's basically a um, vehicle and infantry army painting course. So it's like how to paint like the basic stuff that make up your army, like your, your infantry and your, you know, your basic tanks and stuff like that. Like how to get through an army fairly quickly, but using techniques that are going to make it stand out well above and beyond, you know, 90, 95% of the armies out there. Space Wolves included. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I'll just kind of, I know it's kind of boring, but I'll just kind of read. Oh, so Henry, you know, created these really nice uh, internet posters for his class. So just give people an idea. So the, the class is going to involve, like they do group demos and then they also do one-on-one tuition. And you're they're going to go over airbrush maintenance and airbrush best practices, uh, pre-shading using an airbrush and normal hairy paintbrushes, how to consider your light sources, effects on different shapes across the model, like a cylinder, uh, a sphere, a a pyramid, a square, like light is going to hit all those different shapes uh, differently and highlight different parts of those shapes differently. So they're going to teach you to break a model down into those basic shapes and the how to apply paint to them where they look natural and your eye recognizes it as, yeah, that makes sense when you look at it. Um, They're going to teach you color application using your airbrush, how to create smooth transitions across different shapes, sizes, areas, things like that. Uh, How to edge highlight, uh, how to do battle damage, Uh, how to do weathering with all kinds of products, everything from acrylic weathering, sponge painting, pigments, uh, oils. Oils are my favorite. That's I love to weather with oils. Uh, Enamels, um, how to apply water slide transfers the proper way. This was uh, one of the things that when I took the the MKA course, and this is back when Henry and Matt, you know, talked together and Henry was my primary instructor on that course. Uh, when you when you do those water slides, I used to think water slides sucked, and I always wanted them to make everything like a 3D shoulder pad or a 3D door or whatever. Now yep. I think the opposite. Now that shit is garbage. Like when somebody brings me that or Forge World like waste time making those, it actually just makes me upset. I'm yeah. Not lying. Like I literally <laughs> look at that and I'm like, that looks like trash. Don't waste your time making that. Please just make something useful and just put decals out or transfers out, whatever you want to call them. Well, there's, there's a, not to, sorry to interrupt you, but there's like a a secret, I think, to decals. And I'm excited to learn what Henry has to say about decals, because I know I learned a secret with decals that made me, I'm in the same camp as you. Fuck those molded shoulder pads. They look like garbage. Like it sucks that I had to, like, I'm doing them on my black shields and I'm going back to them just because I already have like 3000 points of models that use them. Yeah, but right. You want it to match. I get that. Do it. I'd much rather, you know, would have used water slides. Um, right. I, I hate to be like the person who just interjects, but is if you haven't seen Mongo's stuff, 
and you can check it out on his Instagram. He seems to be able to use decals really well. Yeah. So we can we can do a little uh one on decals. Yeah, we'll we'll make that an episode. Huh. All right. Yep. All right. Yeah. So they're gonna go over that in the class. They're gonna show you how to how to cut them right, how to fit them right, how to put them over a regular surface, uh, how to bend them, and then how to after you get them on, how to com- continue painting the model to make those like blend right in where they actually, you know, look like they're part of the model and don't, you know, look like some separate piece that you've stuck on. Yeah. Well, that's always been the bitch about decals before you learn how to do it is they, they either look crinkly or they stand out or, or like sometimes you put them on and you have that gloss background that still sticks out on them. Right. And if, if you don't do it right, they, they, they look like shit. If you don't do them right, they look awful. If yep. you follow the guides that they used to have in those heavy metal painting guides like we all used to see, they do not look right. They never <laughs> do, if you follow those. But then once yeah. you just learn a couple simple tricks, like, it's... Well, that goes back to, like, I say, they, they tell yep. you things in these magazines and they're not exactly true. Because um, a lot of times, and it's not the... The person writing that article may know how to do it properly. And this is no joke, and I'm not... People know that I don't like Games Workshop, and they're probably like, oh, he's just a salty fuckhead or whatever, which is all true. But I'm just being honest here. Like, And I know this from people who have worked there. A lot of times in those magazines, they're not allowed to advertise products that aren't Games Workshop. And so when they write those magazines, even though the person writing that article that actually did the work you see in the magazine has used a product or a technique using a product that's not Games Workshop, they're not allowed to advertise or talk about that in a Games Workshop publication. So they just have to basically make up a process using only Games Workshop products and then put it in the magazine. Yeah, the worst is when I heard, I've heard someone say use line to apply transfers. And I was like, please don't. Yeah. <laughs> Once the person walked away from that person, I, was, I pulled them aside. I was like, please don't listen to any of that advice you just received. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and can I say this? I was in a Games Workshop store. Yeah. So we well, made it out of life. Um, so anyway, so they, they'll show you how to do decals in this class. And then they're going to show you basically general detailing tips, including how to do islands as on your infantry uh, to make them look realistic, uh, how to detail your weapons and do like heat fading and, you know, weathering scratches, things like that, how to do exhaust and how to do your tracks. Um, so, and this class comes with a very extensive uh, kit list, one for the infantry and one for the tanks. Uh, they, they just put them out to the, the public. Uh, if you want information on what to bring or whatever you're taking the class, I can send you guys the kit list. And the cool thing about the, the kit list is it's... So they give you this kit list, and depending on what paint scheme, like say you're doing Thousand Suns or whatever, there are going to be things on the list that you don't use, but the other people in the class will use them on their paint scheme because maybe they're doing Death Guard or whatever and you'll use different stuff. But everybody buys the same stuff so that you get to see other people use it and then you still own it. So when you get to go, when you go back home and you get to experiment, you already own the stuff and know how to use it, even though you didn't learn on your specific model. That makes sense. That's why you do a lot of things in group demos. So when you take this class, the cool thing about it is you're all learning at once, but the people who are doing like a metallic scheme or the people doing a black and white scheme, the people doing just like a standard, uh, like what you would call a normal, like a red or a blue or a green. And then people doing like the metallic 
like using clears to do metallics. Those are all kind of subdivided in groups and those different groups will do different steps differently or totally skip steps or whatever, but you'll still get taught everybody else's steps and you'll also get to see everybody else's results. That's pretty nice. cool. That's awesome. So it's, it's, it's really, really uh, good. Like you're, this is gonna, you're going to learn a, quite a bit of advanced stuff and it's very intensive. That's the other thing people need to, to understand about these class. Like it's not, I don't want to intimidate anybody cause it's not really intimidating. You should definitely come. And I, I've never, it's one of those things that I did when I flew to England to take this class. So I spent well over a thousand bucks to get this knowledge. So I made it a goal. Like after I took the class, I was so impressed and so blown away and learned so much. I was like, I have to get these guys to the United States. I just have to get it done. So immediately after class was over, I approached uh, the instructors and was like, what does it take to get you guys to the U.S.? And anybody, once again, who's listened to R5, they knew we'd talked about taking an MKA course and meeting the MKA guys probably more than a year before I actually was able to take the course. It was like a life goal to get it done. And I finally got it done and it was everything that I dreamed it would be. And I made it a goal to get those guys here to make it more accessible. So it's like, once again, it goes back to the money thing. Like we've had people go, well, you know, I live in Connecticut or whatever in Indiana, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, Hey man, I flew to England to do it. All right. Like the United States is a big place. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And they're coming in from England. So I'm like, I can't, you know, like they can't be everywhere at once, obviously. Um, So it's like, just be like grateful that they're here domestically, you know, and you don't have to actually fly across an ocean to make it to the class. And on top of that, they're trying to make it as convenient as possible by doing one in Texas, which kind of covers the South and the West. And then we're doing one in Indiana, which kind of covers the North in the east of the country. And I mean, and both, you know, Houston and Indianapolis are both major airports that are fairly cheap to fly to regardless of where you live um, in North America, relatively speaking. So, I mean, we've made it as convenient as we can without like, you know, doing like a rock concert style tour where they're hitting every city, you know? Right. No, I, I appreciate it. Like it's for anyone that's saying it's too much money. It's really not like, if you take any other hobby, it's really not that much. If you wanted to come bike riding and you wanted to learn downhill, you're paying about seventy-five bucks an hour to have someone teach you how to do that. This is well, like it's just funny because, like pounds. I said, you look at the price of other things in the hobby. Like even just buying a GW paint set is what, like twice as much as one of these classes. Yeah, it's 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 really Pro- not- it's prohibitively expensive. Yes. Anyone is still using GW paints? <laughs> yeah, paint paint pots are awful, awful, awful. Oh, they're so fucking annoying. Jesus, yeah. yeah. We could go on a whole shan- shame rant about the GW paint pots and how those lids are retardedly stupid, oh, and it doesn't. Yeah, work. we'll have a rant on that. Be fucking <laughs> don't don't you fucking wait. So, but I mean, that's the that's the cold of paint class and. Henry has only been to the U.S. Uh, one time before to teach a class, and it was kind of an exclusive thing. It was at Heresy Camp last year. So unless you were a Heresy Camp attendee, 
you had no chance, obviously, to take the class. So it was exclusive to only those people who could make it to heresy camp. This is the first time that Cold of Paint has made it to the U.S. that it's just open, you know, to the general public to to take. But that being said, I think he only has a. Uh, you know, 12 spots available for the Indiana course, which I think they're all sold except for one or two. So there's only one or two spots at the Indiana course as of recording this. And then on the flip side of that, the Texas course, I think it's roughly half sold out. So there's only going to be a lucky uh, 24 people in the U.S. that are going to get to take this. So it's it's fairly exclusive that being said, it's it's also, and I'm not trying to like strong arm people here or whatever, but we want to sell these out. Like once again, I have no, I'm getting nothing financially out of this, nothing, zero. Um, it'll end up costing me money because I'm sure I'll buy supplies or whatever. You know, what I mean, not that I'd have to. It's just something I I will end up doing, um, just through hosting or whatever. So I'm I'm getting nothing out of it, which is fine. I'm just trying to get it here to get the knowledge here because what I am getting out of it is there'll be more beautifully painted armies and knowledge on painting here domestically. So when I put my models on the tabletop against my opponent, I, I don't, you know, I'm not going up against or putting my models on the table with something that looks like it's finger painted. You know what I mean? Yeah. So oh, yeah. It's not like the whole community is getting something out of this that, you know, it, it's just great. Like it just pushes the hobby forward and makes it better for everyone involved to get this knowledge out there. So this is something I think is extremely important. Um, and it's, it's a critical part. Like I've always pushed that miniature wargaming isn't just like, you know, buying toys and rolling dice. I mean, some people think it is, but that's not it. Like, I don't know what that is, but that's not the miniature wargaming hobby as a whole. Like the hobby is made up of all kinds of different aspects and skills painting being one of them. So if you want to be an actual hobbyist, an actual miniature war gamer, it's something you have to add to your arsenal to be that, you know, it's not, it's not just something that you get, like you, you need to, to seek out this knowledge and, and to, you know, to work at this. So, you know, getting those people here to teach us stuff, I feel like it's, it's very important. And I think if we sell these classes out and show that there's a demand you know, these people are going to be more likely to come back. And not only that, but you'll, it's, it's an easier sell. Like if I reached out, there's other painters that I'd like to get here from like Poland and Russia and places like that. So like, if you talk to Henry, you talk to Matt and you're like, well, what painters do you like? Oh, I, this, you know, they'll, they'll tell you, like, it's funny to talk to Matt Kane, who's, you know, won Slayer Swords and Golden Demons and was Forge World Studio Painter or whatever. And you'll hear him talk about people that he looks up to, like I look up to him. And you're like, what? Like, <laughs> there's people that like blow your mind, like you blow mine. That doesn't even make any sense to me. Like, who is this guy? Where's he at? He's like, oh, well, look at this, you know. And he's showing me he's nerding out on these other people's work. Well, he's like, you should try to get them here. Well, you know, it's an easier sell to call somebody and say, hey, you know, Matt Kane told me you should, you know, I should reach out to you to teach a painting class here. I know it's expensive to get here from Poland, but Matt's been here X amount of times and he's always sold his classes out. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. And there's definitely uh, like, uh, the, I don't know what the hell is going on over there in England. Maybe you can fill us in Lewis, but what the you fuckers have like the easy button when it comes to miniature painting, like, God damn it. 
over here it's like everyone's a fucking space wolf player and there's just like here's my sprue without clipped out with my miniatures not clipped out facing so off against me? you it, there's not I, as many people and they're more condensed and it's also more of a cultural thing over here than it is here or over there than it is here all right well i didn't want an ex- explanation i just wanted to bitch about it but sure <laughs> okay we'll i go, i also we'll haven't been back to the uk in about 10 years oh that's why none of your shit's painted oh yeah yeah uh, my hobby resolution's going pretty well how about yours shane are you gonna miss it i i don't even I... he moved here his blood sugar doubled he put on 50 pounds and he forgot how to paint. I guarantee that exactly what happened. Probably oh, in that order. You've met you've met Luke then, person. <laughs> <laughs> no, so it's it's almost close. I mean, I got here. I didn't played uh, Warhammer or miniature war wargaming. So I actually took my army and I put it up into uh, my attic and just buried it in there. And uh, it sat there until I met. A couple of people and then i started meeting more and more people and now that i'm back playing i'm actually uh, surprisingly i spent a long time on computer games and uh now that i have tabletop gaming again i actually don't sit on the computer i can't sit and play a video game i much prefer the social interaction of tabletop games yep i'm the same way i haven't played video games in a while so before I forget, we did we left out the crucial details. Like I described the yes. class, I didn't tell where it was at or the price <laughs> yeah. or how you get tickets. No answers. worries, we're not done. Don't worry, keep going. All right. So this is called the Vehicles and Infantry Painting Course. It's put on by Cult of Paint. Their website is cultofpaint.com, and that's where you'll buy tickets. So if you want to buy tickets for this, you go to cultofpaint.com, go to their store, and there's going to be two tickets available. There's an Indiana one and a Texas one. So the Indiana one is April 19th through the 21st, and it's in Martinsville, Indiana. The flyer will say the Battle Barn, which is the name of my barn, but it's in Martinsville, which is a uh, town of about 30,000 people that's 30 minutes uh, south of Indianapolis. It's about 30 minutes from the airport. Um, If you have to fly in, if you get in touch with me, we can arrange a ride, or you can just take an Uber, and Uber's like, you know, less than $25, $30 to get here. Um, As far as accommodations, if you come to this class, uh, the barn is basically right next to my house and I have a huge uh, basement in my house and all my gaming shit will be in the barn, you know, by the time this rolls around. So I plan on having just tons of room for uh, air mattresses and shit. So if you want to sleep in what the eye of horrors call Velatar style, um, in the basement, you can do that with a with a bunch of other guys. Just bring earplugs because it'll probably sound like a bear's den. Everybody snoring. Holy but, fuck! Uh, yeah, probably. You can stay here for free. Shower here for free. You know, whatever. I'm not going to charge anyone. If you want more private accommodations and you know, like an actual bed and all that stuff, there are three um, nice hotels. When I say nice, I don't mean like you know, fucking Four Seasons or whatever. Like Holiday Inns, nice. Like not, not like a not like a roach motel that have <laughs> hourly rates. Like a You're real... hillbilly nice. It's all right. <laughs> yeah. You can say it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice. So like, you know, Holiday Inn. There's a Holiday Inn, a Best Western, and a... Uh, I forget what the other one is. Dick Four. Like a La Quinta Inn or something Damn. like that. I can't remember. Didn't but uh, <laughs> anyway, they're, they're roughly 60 to 70, 80, somewhere in there. We'll just say 70, roughly $70, give or take. 
uh, for a room with two beds and, you know, you'll get free breakfast or whatever. And those are like within 10 minutes of here. And there's plenty of really good food establishment uh, all around here. And then the cool thing about having it in the game barn, all my gaming shit and tables and models and all that will be there. So every night after class, if people are <sighs> or whatever, you can just fucking game, you do whatever, uh, hang out, um, and it'll be nice. So drink sh- beer. Yeah, drink beer. And the barn that we're having it in, people are having it, we just call it the battle barn. It's it's literally a purpose built building for miniature wargaming and painting. Uh, so like, for example, I put, there's 18 outlets out there. So that's 36 plugs and every other outlets on its own breaker. So you can hook up as many fucking air compressors as you want to airbrush and you're not going to trip any breakers. Nice. Um, I literally loaded the ceiling. I think there's 20 individual lights out there that all have 5,000 KV, (laughs) uh, like 200 watt LED daylight bulbs in them which are supposed to be like the best light spectrum and everything for uh, art display and miniature painting. So that's out there. Um, and then you know, all my hobby tools and equipment, uh, hair dryers, airbrush booze, my airbrush, all that will be there and on site. And it's, it's literally, like I said, I purpose, like I've taken all these classes and I've hosted classes. So when I built this building, I kept everything that I learned, observed and talked to people about in mind when I built the building to try to make it specifically designed to do stuff like this. That's awesome. So yeah, like once again, that's April 19th through 21st in Martinsville, Indiana. Then Henry, once he leaves here, he's going to fly to Texas and do basically the same course in Texas at atomic hobby shop. And it's in Cypress, Texas, which is just outside of Houston. And that's going to be April 26th through the 28th. Um, Michael, my uh, co-host on RFI, is kind of liaisoning there with Henry. So if you want more details on that, like as far as accommodations, food, and basically every, like I'm talking intimately about here because, you know, it's what I'm basically full on involved in. But I also, even though I'm not, don't really have anything to do with the Texas course, um, Henry and I are still friends. And also I still want all these painting classes to be successful. But reach out to Michael. His email is michael at warhammer30k.com if you have questions going over, like, you know, accommodations and all that uh, for email. that location. But it's that's going to be April 26th through 28th in it's Cypress, Texas, which is right by Houston. And is that, what'd you is say? That, is, that, uh, is that powerful, Michael? Yeah, powerful. <laughs> powerful, powerful, Michael. Sorry. So um, you can buy tickets for both courses, like I said, at that coldapaint.com. And because you're buying it directly through Henry's website, uh, the price is 200 uh, British pounds. So that fluctuates on a day-to-day basis based on exchange rates. Is there a 20% surcharge? Oh, sorry. There is not 20% that, <laughs> and he does not invent his own exchange rate and just upcharge you for no fucking reason. Good so enough. It's, Can I get it's, a- it's a direct exchange rate. So if on the day you buy your ticket, the dollar is worth one to one with the pound, it's going to be $200. If on the day you buy your ticket, it's $1.3 per pound, it's going to be $260. So it's really, it's going to be roughly $225 to $270, depending on the day that you buy it on. Yes. So, and this is the one that uh, Shane and Lewis are coming to. Yeah. And then if you guys don't care, I, I can talk about the mat class a little bit. That's a month later. 
do oh, it. Talk about it, please. Yeah, go, go ahead. Yeah. Okay. So the Matt class. So Matt Kane. Um, you know, he's the guy that's ex Forge World Studio painter and all that. So he's doing an advanced brush skills and painting and character painting class. So it's kind of like the step above this infantry class. So when they used to be MKA, you would do like the infantry, you would do the vehicle class, then the infantry class, then this class, and then they had like a flyer class and a basing class, whatever. So this is like kind of in the middle. So you're supposed to have the knowledge of like this infantry and vehicle painting before you jump into this. Mm -hmm. Now, Matt said... If you don't, you can still take this class, but you may not get as much out of it. And he'll try to work with you beforehand online, giving you tips and stuff, you know, before you show up to the class to kind of get you up to speed. And also, um, I can do the same thing because, like I said, I've taken all these courses. so We can kind of help you out with that. But awesome. That's really awesome. This class is it's supposed to really make your army stand out. Uh, the course is designed to push your skills with a brush and an airbrush, like to a, uh, even a higher level. Um, and it's going to teach a lot of the same things in color theory, transitions, focal points. But he's going to go into how to paint power weapons to give them that really, really cool power weapon effect where you get all these little different shades on a metallic to make it look like it's glowing. Um, f- uh, flesh and faces, uh, cloaks and embroidery on cloaks and clothing. Uh, advanced light sourcing skills, how to do metallics and non-metallic metals, uh, how to put transfers on extremely difficult places and how to like put multiple decals, like cut them up and put multiples on top of each other to get an all new decal, things like that. Um, so everything in this class is to work towards refining your skills, getting smooth transitions, using brushes to create amazing finishes. Um, and then, like I said, Matt's teaching the class who is a multiple time golden demon winner and former Forge world studio painter. Um, if you want more information or to purchase tickets, you're just going to email me at Ryan at warhammer 30 K.com. I've set up a special PayPal, uh, that's basically just for this class. Um, and I, we made a little flyer so that the, when you take this class as well, um, Matt will give you a, a primark horse model. If that's the model you will paint in the class. So if you show up to the class and you're willing to paint Horus the Primarch, he's just going to give you the model. You don't have to paint that model. If you want to bring your own model, that's fine. If you bring your own model and want to paint a different model, he's not going to give you the free Horus. So it's one of those things. <laughs> so, um, And then on this poster, uh, there's examples provided of Matt's work. I'll show you guys. My phone's like literally about to die. <laughs> Hold on, phone. Hold on. Um, oh, yeah. Also, quick question going back to the coal paint. Um, yes. They don't mention about uh, models being built and primed before going. I'm assuming they would want that done before showing up to the painting class. Okay, so how you're going to do it. So you're, are you bringing a rhino, your Demios rhino? Yeah, a rhino. That's the recommended and, one. Yeah. So if you're bringing a Demios, you want to put together the the tank hole where the holes completely put together you'll leave the side doors off you'll leave the top you know the top hatch yep top you'll leave that off um and you'll leave the guns the bolters that go on top or if you do panel weapons you know they're combined on one side the panel weapons on the other side you'll leave those weapons off and you'll also leave the tracks 
off and on the sprue. Leave the tracks on the sprue. So basically clip everything off on the sprue except the tracks and just leave them as part on the sprue. And then you uh, you can just message Henry depending on the paint scheme you're doing. Like if you're doing Death Guard or, or World Eaters, you're going to prime them white or, you know, or white scars yeah. or whatever. If you're doing basically anybody that's not them, you're going to prime it black. Yeah, then, okay. As far as your infantry goes, um, you can bring either if you're doing 30k, you can bring any of your you know normal heresy marks of marines like your yeah. mark three, mark or mark two, three, four, uh, five, six, or seven. If you're doing really late heresy, I guess. Um, and then if you're uh, if you want, you can also bring uh, primaris marines. Dirty word, don't say it. Ah, fuck. So, <laughs> oh, but, uh, damn it. As Calm far as shit. like a painting <laughs> subject, Henry really really likes the new uh, primaris sculpts. Uh, just oh, that's fair. For, yeah, they are nice. as, a, as a teaching aid. So uh, if they if it's not like a heresy like this, obviously here, and if you're listening to this podcast or you listen to our fire. I have horse, whatever, like we're very heresy centric. Like we used to be, you guys still are, but I mean, even people who listen to us, you know, they, they heard about us through heresy or whatever. So mm-hmm. sure. Those type of people are going to want to probably bring the heresy Marines. But if, yeah. if Henry's just teaching the course and it's just to like the general public and it's not like, if he's not going to a club that's specifically heresy or whatever, he's probably going to recommend to bring primaris Marines just as a teaching aid. Sure. No, that makes sense. I'm, we just don't like Primaris on this podcast. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I get you. So I sent you guys, if you look at those posters, you can see. So that's some examples of Matt's work um, on that poster. And you can see some examples of Henry's works on his poster. And then I sent you guys those uh, images of my work since taking the classes. So that uh, that Death Guard scheme that I sent you guys photos of, that's what yep. I learned after taking the, the class in England. It looks um, amazing. And then I did that dust tank in those Raven Guard uh, in Matt's class last year when he came here. And then I think this year in Henry's class. So both of these guys allow you to basically paint what you want. So like Henry recommends you bring in these other models. I'm yep. going to bring a dust tank and dust infantry. So yep. if, if you want to bring something else, you just need to message them and say, hey, is this a suitable model? You don't want to bring something that you're not going to learn anything. Um, so like these, the dust tank that I'm bringing is a Walker. It's not like with tracks. So obviously, I mean, I've learned, I've taken this class so many times. I know how to do tracks. Yep. I know how they're going to teach you to do tracks. But if I was a, if I'd never taken the class before, that probably wouldn't be a great model choice because I'm going to totally not be able to do that skill. Mm-hmm. So that's why they recommend the specific models that they recommend bringing. The other thing you need to keep in mind with both these classes not so much Matt's class because you're painting a character, so it doesn't really 100% matter if your character doesn't perfectly match the army that he's for because he's supposed to stand out because it's a centerpiece character model. But for for the best examples, Henry's class, don't expect to, like if you play Blood Angels and you've already painted 3,000 points Blood Angels, if you bring a Blood Angel tank to, to learn on, that's fine, but don't, don't taint what you're learning by trying to paint it to match the army that you already have, because your painting skills are going to change so much and improve so much by taking this class. You're doing yourself a disservice just by painting it to match the shit that you already know how to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've, I've heard that a lot, actually. That's, 
I, I cried a little bit because I wanted to learn how to. I was like, ah, let me. I'm gonna have him t- show me world eaters, and then I, someone was <laughs> like, well, you're you're gonna want to hurt yourself if you do that. So I, I wouldn't. So yeah. So whatever you bring, just keep in mind that the model that you bring is literally a teaching aid. Like you're you probably aren't gonna get the model fully done. I mean, you just you'll like sure you, if you if you take it here in Indiana. I can't speak to the Texas class, but at least here, if the class ends at like six o'clock on Friday and you want to stay in the game barn and paint till three in the morning, you can, like it doesn't close. It's open 24 hours. It's, you know, it's on my private property You can do what you want. You don't have to sleep for the four days that you're here. If you want to do bumps of cocaine and methamphetamine the whole time you're here and stay up for four days, that's on you. I don't care. So <laughs> All right, you heard it here first folks. Yeah. So, um, that's the nice thing about having it here. Same thing with Matt's class. So Matt's class is a five-day class, but it's you're going to learn for two days, and then the third day is going to be a break day. Um, on that th- third day, you can do what you want. You can leave. You could go back home. You can stay here. You can do vacation-y stuff. You can sleep in all day. You can game all day in the barn, or you can work on your models more or whatever. That's the nice thing about having it here. You can kind of do what you want. So here you'll have a better chance of probably finishing your model if you choose to do that. Yeah. Um, but you don't have to. So, but anyway, what I'm saying is these models are a, a teaching aid. Like it's almost like a, you get to keep it, but you almost want, you want to look at it as something that you're kind of expending in, in the pursuit of knowledge. Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get you. So you don't want to like, if there's some technique, like say you're me and you fucking hate OSL, you think it's the dumbest thing ever. Cause it just doesn't look right on a miniature and that's my opinion. And I'm sticking oh, to it. If I was going to disagree with you wrong. wrong because I'm always right about everything. Right. <laughs> most people think. So if you, that being said, if they want to show you OSL, just fucking do it. Like you don't have to like it. Just at least learn how right. to do it. Cause yeah, it's a good technique to learn. Exactly. So same way, thing. When, like that uh, way when you become enlightened and you really great, then you'll, then you'll know how to do it. Right. So like if you don't like <laughs> heat fading on a gun or whatever, the the way they do still go ahead and do it at least learn how to do it so um you can change it later or when you get home you can literally take the rhino you did in class and throw it away and start over and only use the techniques you want to use or try different things or whatever just keep in mind that what you're bringing to the class is to learn on i think what i'm the most excited about is to see how and to learn how to do techniques that i already do in a completely, well, maybe not completely, I don't know, but in a different way. Right. Um, because that, I, I don't know, like I, you know, you get stuck in that rut where you do things like I paint white for world leaders the way I paint white. I paint white for Death Guard the way I paint white for Death Guard. And I'm excited to see the different ways that Henry has me go through these steps, especially for his weathering, because man, my fucking weathering sucks, but. <laughs> so you can I'm see excited. all those Death Guard tanks that I did, and I learned how to weather stuff. You know, in that uh, I, I know you fucking blew the internet up with that shit. I sent you a goddamn T-shirt. I was like, shut up. <laughs> so, okay. So the important details on Matt's class. So Matt's advanced brush skills and character painting class is basically a month after Henry's. So it's May twenty second through May twenty sixth. So that's a five day period. I think that's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Saturday, Sunday, if I'm looking at the calendar right. So Wednesday and Thursday will be classroom days. Friday will be that free day I was talking about. You can do whatever you want. You can sit in there and work on your model if you want to get further ahead. 
Um, Matt will probably still be around. If you want to ask him questions, you probably still can. Sure. Um, he's locked into that now because I said it on the internet. Um, <laughs> it means it's we'll, always true. You know, there, all the gaming tables and and terrain will be out there. So if you want to bring game, you know, bring game stuff and play games with the other students or whatever, that'll be available. There's all kinds of cool shit to do in Indiana. Um, you'll run like it is Indiana. You'd run out of shit if you were here for like eight days, but you're only here for you know five, and you're really only going to do stuff for one day. So there's plenty of things to do for a one day period. So you'll be good to go there. Um, so you can use that day to do, like I said, anything you want, which will be good. And then you'll go back to class on Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, it gives you that day of yeah, five days. Of, if it was five straight days of class, that that's rough for most people, I think. I mean, barring college students and fuck. Well, they, college, they, they tried to do, do four days straight before in the past, and they just found that it was too intense and people were too frazzled and got too tired. So they split it into, you know, two days on, one day off, two days on. No, so, good point, Matt. It works. Yeah. So this this class is $400. So it's still, you know, roughly 100 bucks a day. And yep. it's still, it's at the same place. It's at the Battle Barn here in Martinsville. So everything I said before about Henry's class applies here. You know, you can stay here if you want or the hotels, whatever. There's 20, there was originally 20 spots available for this class. I think it's half filled up. I think there's 10 spots left. Um, and like I said, it's May 26th through or May 22nd through May 26th. And if you want to buy tickets for that, or you want more info or whatever, um, you can message me at Ryan at Warhammer 30 K.com. And the other thing I want to put in on both these classes, if you take a cold to paint class or you take Matt's class, either one, you get added in to a Facebook messenger group and a facebook page or sorry a facebook page not a messenger group a facebook page that is exclusive to students from around the world that have taken that class nice so nice and then if you have questions you can always hit them up so it's not that it's not like on sunday when matt's class ends at you know 5 p.m or whatever that he just stops talking to you and exits your life forever and will never help you again like you, you get a resource and a line to him that you can, you know, hit him up if you, you know, if you have problems in the future or whatever, same thing with cold of paint and Henry and that they're always posting, uh, their work on there too. both, both people. Um, and also I also want to admit he's not coming with him, but cold of paint is more than just Henry. It's also Andy Wardle who has won more awards than any painter I'm fucking aware of. Well, at least more, Games Workshop related ones like Golden Demons and Slayer. I can't, I don't even know how many he's won. It's a like an astronomical amount. He's like if you added, you know, the old UCLA, the old Lakers, and the current Patriots awards to fucking together and put it all in painting, <laughs> basically what he's like. And four people got that reference on this podcast because <laughs> also likes Wargaming. But, um, anyways, won a lot of shit. Uh, you get access to like, him as well and you know things that he's doing and and whatever it's just they're both great communities uh, to be involved in uh both are great guys they they do cool shit for the community all the time so it's just it's a it's a great resource to take advantage of i mean you i, I can't express it enough how good of an opportunity this is to get them here in the u.s uh to make it available for a reasonable price for people to get to it where you don't have to travel overseas Managed to get them to come over and because it's something I've realized like 
when I was first in the hobby, I couldn't care about painting too much. But like as I've got into it, it definitely makes a world of difference. Not to mention, like your your games are so much better when the models are amazing. Not even that. So we went to the Jersey Devil painting competition, which Mongo did really well at, and it was just a different vibe, and it yep. really made you jazz for painting. So I'm I'm happy that these courses are coming this way, and you know people shouldn't really scoff at the price. I mean, learning for someone, it's always going to be expensive, but it's it's definitely going to be well worth it at the end. The knowledge yeah. you gain from it, and, and I do want to shout. out, I mean, I they're not. I don't have anything on the horizon for these guys, but I'm getting them here, and I am friends with them. Uh, CK Studios, they do classes all over the United States, too. So if you can't make it to either of these classes, um, go to a CK class. They're still really, really good classes. They're domestic. Um, I've taken... what's Let's see. I've taken CK classes at two different conventions, and I've also taken, like, their one class that's, like, you know, like two days... Uh, I took the Michigan 101 course. So I've taken basically three separate classes from them. And uh, mm-hmm. I've already talked to them about having a class here uh, at the barn. Like nothing's announced. Like, you know, it's just like, hey, if you like, I have this space. If you guys ever want to use it, you're more than welcome to teach a class here type thing. Sure. And That's awesome. I also want to put out there that I've already lined up uh, more classes for the barn. Like we're going to have a 3D printing class here at the game barn. Um, also, the the three days before uh, War Games camp this year, Henry's going to come here, and uh, these big mechs that I'm 3D printing, we're going to have a painting large model class, and you're going to get one of these 3D paint- printed mechs and get to paint on it for three days. Right when the fuck camp. is this? Oh, the three fuck. the three days before War Games camp. Ah, son of a! Isn't that fuck? All right, well. It's in Can't September, so yeah, yeah. whether you come to the camp or not, the class will still be available. So the class, that class, is going to be super exclusive. It's going to be capped at like eight to ten people. Um, if you sure, sign up sure. for the class, you'll get one of these big mechs. Like, I'll, you'll tell me which one you want. I'll print it and do all the prep work and putting and all that. I'm not going to assemble it because I want you to be able to pose it. But all the pieces will be ready to go, where you can slap it together, and then you'll have three days to build it and paint it. Uh, under Henry's tutelage on how to do uh, big models, because when you because these things are like the size of a Warhound Titan, so when you right. paint a larger model because it creates its own shadows, there's some you know different techniques and the way yep. you do your weathering shit's different because of the size. So it's basically a large model painting class, and then at the end of the class on the third day, we're gonna have a big like uh, arena fight with the mechs that everybody's painted. And then the very next day, uh, War Games Camp will start. Fuck, that sounds so amazing. So that class is going to be 300 bucks. We don't have anything up. You can't like buy tickets or whatever yet. Um, we're going to wait till so uh, a- after May 12th when you know the drop dead date for camp tickets or whatever is over with to make sure everything's a go. And then after that, we'll you know put tickets out. For it. You should have like a celebrity deathmatch style fight for it. Everybody gets in like a ring and just fights over tickets. Yeah, I would. I would go. <laughs> nah, I it'll just go. be it'll be first come first serve. But even if you don't come to, if you don't have any interest in the war games camp thing, but you still want to take the painting class, it is a separate thing. You can still do it. You can do. You could just do the camp. You can just do the class, or you can do both. We just tied them together so that if you want to do both, you you know, sure, it, yeah. makes sense. And you, they're like. The camp is 30 minutes uh, from the barn. So it's 
like if you're in this area, you don't have to like, you know, travel mm-hmm. far to go to either one. So, and nice. then, uh, that 3d printing class is in, uh, let's see, January it's in March. I think March 9th and 10th, we're having a 3d printing class. So if anybody's interested in 3d printing, you can hit me up at that, uh, Ryan at wormer 30 k.com email. I know one person that will be interested in that, and he's not here today. <laughs> he's not fucking here. Does his does his name start with a P? <laughs> <laughs> he is well. a penis, but well, <laughs> no, no it, it's it, it's a uh, well, Psycho Chris, or his new ne- nickname is now Neo. <laughs> okay, he, he looks is like definitely... fucking Neo from the Matrix with those goddamn glasses. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, his constant sending us videos of Fing's universe going, oh, yeah, I could put this on my wall. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) But anyway, the the point of all this was, like, I've built this cool space for these uh, painting classes, and I hope people utilize them. There's another guy here in Indiana named Kevin that Mm -hmm. I've never met face-to-face. We've only talked online that he has the same uh, passion as I do about, you know, getting cool people that are really knowledgeable about miniature painting and stuff to come here and teach classes. Like he's gotten Matt DePetro, the guy that used to be the studio painter for private or press. Yeah. To come here. Um, he's gotten all these, he's gotten a uh, Sergio Calvo, the guy Holy that shit. wins the oh, fucking yeah. uh, crystal brush every year. Yeah. Um, he's actually coming to Indiana, I think in February next month. So, wow. He gets all these guys. They right now they they teach out of Greenfield, Indiana, which is about an hour from where I live, and they're just doing it out of a comic shop. <clears throat> so when the barn's done, I'm gonna get Kevin down here on a mandate, take him to lunch and wine and dine him, and then give him a tour of the barn and try to get him to do his. If he wants, the, you know, they would have a dedicated classroom area that's specific to you know miniature painting with all the materials and everything there, where you're not doing it. In comic shop that's awesome that's awesome so and, and i'm not charging these painters i'm not you know like like once again even though i'm hosting i'm not getting anything financially out of it and i'm not charging anyone for the space it's literally just uh i had the means to do it i had the space to do it i'm also getting the benefit like i'm getting the benefit of my i'm moving my game club out there because i host my game club so it gets all these nerds out of my fucking house <laughs> and to a remote location <laughs> And it gives me more space to do all my hobby shit. So it's not like I did it like I'm this fucking humanitarian that just did it for the world. Like I did do it for me, but while, you know, the space is there. So why not also utilize it for this and allow other people to use it when I'm not basically. Sure. Yeah. 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 You, yeah. So there's two points I want to point out. That's like perfect transition to talk about. A view, uh, someone who listens to the show and the email he sent us. It's a perfect <laughs> transition for that. And you I'm, know what I'm talking about, Shane. Uh, oh my. Yeah. The so. second thing I've got from this, and this just might be me. I live in New Jersey, which is like the most densely populated state in the United States. I don't have Uber where I live. This is ridiculous. <laughs> Ryan's got it out in Indiana. I do not here in New Jersey. Yeah, yeah, that's we shouldn't. That's because you live in Jersey. What they, what I didn't mention though, is different. <laughs> um, it's usually uh, in a. The, they'll come pick you up in a two-wheel drive truck that the fender wells are rusted out in, 
and they put four wheel drive mud tires in the back and normal tires on the front. So it has a, a rake to it. And that's called like a, I call it a three wheel drive. Cause it's like, it's still two wheel drive, but he's put the four wheel drive tires on it. So he gets a little bit of credit. <laughs> they put one of those uh, mesh webbing lawn chairs, with the aluminum frame in the back facing away from the cab. And they run a, a toe strap uh, through the legs of the chair and strap it down inside the bed, you know, for safety purposes. Cause they don't want it coming out of there. And you sit back there and they'll uh, leave a case of beer back there for you. And then they'll drive you where you want to go. That's how the, that's how the Uber works here. You can't sit in front cause that's where the dog goes. You can't. Right. 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 The dog's more important. All yeah. the time. So you're back in the back with the, with the wife and maybe the kid or two. But you can't, and you can't sit in the middle. Spit cup goes. Yeah. It goes, it goes driver. Methamphetamine, handgun, <laughs> cup, dog. <laughs> then in the back, wife, child, Uber passenger. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Okay. That seems accurate. All right. Well, that's uh, that is Ryan's uh, cult of paint. Uh, real quick, Ryan, um, do you want to do you want to shout out your podcast real quick while you're here? Or? Oh yeah. If you guys. Uh, want to listen to it uh we got this podcast called rfi it used to be a 30k cast so if you want 30k content it's all there all of it it's like 120 episodes of it it's hours upon hours you can start listening now and you'll be sick of it by probably episode i don't know 33 and a half something like that so if you want heresy there's still it's still all up um our newer stuff around episode right around episode 120 i think We've kind of switched to more uh, general gaming, general miniatures, wargaming, painting, uh, hobby shit, things like that. There's also sprinkled in all of that. There's plenty of uh, funny emails, funny stories. Uh, we have a hotline you can call into and uh, leave us voicemails that we play on air. Uh, it's just, you know, it's just basically now it's, it's uh, four guys that just kind of call each other and catch up and talk a bunch of hobby shit. And we just let the world listen in. If that makes sense. And, uh, definitely makes sense. Radio free. S Vaughn is the podcast. Uh, we're on SoundCloud and iTunes and all the normal shit. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, podcast, but in case you don't, there it is. Give it a listen. It's, uh, they got some solid hobby advice on there and some good funny ass shit. So check it out. Um, so that's Ryan and, uh, his cult of paint slash, uh, what the fuck was the other one? Matt Kane. Yeah. Yeah. Just go. Matt Kane advanced brush skills class. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, I plan on getting a Facebook page specifically for the battle barn up and then mm-hmm. anything we host there. Cause I already got, we're having a 30 K event there. That's already scheduled. We got a 40 K um, ITC GT uh, PhD, whatever the fucking acronyms they use for that game. I don't even know anymore. Um, yeah. But they, a 40k event that's like a you know super hyper competitive whatever event. There's one of those scheduled. You're just putting foam out for terrain. No, no, oh. they're gonna have they're gonna still use my super legit you know mega nice terrain for it. So they may just like all die of aneurysms and then we can all play heresy while they're flopping around in the floor like fish after seeing it all. <laughs> but that's not my responsibility. Like I'm just hosting the event and providing it. As so, opposed to you put up the painting requirement. 
No. Unless it's Shane and his space wolves. But like... Fuck! <laughs> no, I, I don't. Uh, my buddy Chris Duncan is handling everything. I'm basically, you know, once again, I built the space. I, I want it for miniature gaming. If you want to, if, if you're in this area or even if you're from the state and you want to host something here, you know, get with me and we'll work something out. Like if you want to do, I don't care what game it is, as long as it's miniature uh, war gaming. Uh, so if you wanted to do, you know, Flames of War or War Machine or any of that shit, I don't care. Napoleonics, whatever. I'm I'm down. You can use the space. So anyway, I got a, a 40K GT, a 30K event, um, several painting class, a 3D printer class. All that's already scheduled. I need to, I want to make a Facebook page. This is nothing but events that are there and have a schedule so people can just go to that page and see what's going on here. And if they're in the area at the time or, you know, want to take a trip to Indiana or whatever, all of that's there for them to come and do whatever. Awesome. I'm excited to uh, see that. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that's going to be fucking awesome. All right. So before you get to the final bit, which is where we got to ask Ryan a couple of questions. Yeah. 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 You're going to put you on the spot in a little bit, but we're going to give you some time to, to sweat about it. Okay. We, we, we got to read this fucking email first and do it. Ryan, you're gonna, you're, yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna enjoy the shit out of this. So, all right. So, a few, I, I would say quite a few episodes back, we had a question on, uh, we had a, a, a guy who was having some trouble in his local meta. Um, one of his buddies liked to run a Warhound Titan and every, in every single game. And they were having some trouble because they didn't know what to do. They're like, how do I deal with this? You know, it's really annoying. So how do I deal with it? So we gave him some advice, you know, take cataphractite terminators and a pod, chain fist, you know, a couple different things you can do to deal with it. And we didn't hear back from him for a while until recently. And so uh, our good buddy Dutch emailed us back. And here we go. Hello, Dirty 30 crew. The holidays and hunting season had to mow, had to mow them down like it was a drop site massacre. Have got me behind on listening to you guys, but I'm slowly catching up. Lots of talk about Titanicus that I didn't appreciate at first, but I'm starting to get interested. Did Earth have its own Titan Legion? Thinking of maybe dipping my toes in to have something that fits with my custodes. The main reason I wanted to write you is to let you get know how things went with the Titan on our next battle. It went well and weird. So using your guys' advice, we were able to take it down second turn. I ran my salamanders and used the termies, like you said, to do a lot of the work. It was a team effort, though. Some good fire coming from my two partners. When it happened, I thought Randall was going to lose his shit and cry like a fucking raven guard. He (laughs) moped around a little and packed it up as we continued playing and then went to take it to his car. My wife was upstairs at the time, making us all some grilled ham and cheese sandwich and suddenly we heard a yell and then another deeper yell come from upstairs i went up to see what was going on and my wife was standing there with a sandwich on the floor and shocked look on her face randall was nowhere to be seen i asked her what the fuck happened and she said and she told me randall pinched her ass while she was cooking i don't know whether he thought it was for getting back at me for killing his titan or what the guy ain't used to losing much his car was driving away and he told me what happened. After he pinched her ass, apparently she took the spatula she was using and used the handle end when he turned around and jammed it up his ass, or as best as you can do when somebody is wearing pants. That's when he screamed and ran out of the house. The, this is my favorite fucking part. 
Not really sure what to make of it all, but we got to see how things play out. Anyways. (laughs) 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 What the fuck? Anyways, thanks for the advice. Guys, keep rocking it. What the fuck? Yeah, who who has a friend that goes and pinches the dude's wife's ass what? upstairs what? is this the 1950s she was making a bunch of guys that are hanging out sandwiches and one of them pinched her ass i'm pretty sure this is like from a plot from mad men or something i don't think this is real is this guy trolling i i don't know but i liked it dude the best part of it is it's 100 percent real rock onto the wall just taking it and going how about this I, I feel like we need his wife to call in like to leave to send in an audio message confirming this. Like what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, it didn't make any sense. <laughs> uh, but Dodge, thanks for sending that in. That was absolutely hilarious. Either way, it was hilarious. It's not so it's not the way I thought the story was gonna go, but it took a funny twist and I'm fine with it. <laughs> yeah, I don't care if it's false. I laughed. Uh Jesus. Yeah. All right. All right. So that's the, that's our email from Dutch. So glad to hear that the uh, advice we gave you worked, though. That's, uh, that's awesome. Yeah. No. All right. So, Ryan, we do this to uh, everybody we, we have on the show. So uh, first off, and it doesn't have to be in any particular order, but if you could pick uh, either a Legion or a Force uh, from the Harris, the delete button on. Who would it be? So, like, a lot of people say Space Wolves because they're fucking stupid. But you can pick anybody else. Shane gets pretty butt hurt when you say Space Wolves. Fuck Cust you. Those. Yeah, that's Cust fair. Those. <laughs> Are you going to give us a solid reason? Why Custodes? Yeah, there you go. Okay, so they only make sense if you're playing them uh, a little bit at Prospero and Battle for Terra. And people always bring them to every fucking event like they were just everywhere at once and then always come up with some bullshit excuse like, there's a lot of them and they're in there. It's like, listen, motherfucker, there's like 95 novels and all these black books and, you know, history and talk and all this fluff out there about the heresy and about, you know, 30K and 40K forever. And it's always just been in those two places. So I don't care what your stupid fan fiction is. They don't really take part in anything other than those two things. And also they are not super fun uh, rules wise when you're just playing the game. No, like they're play f- against. No, it's not fun at all. I agree. That's so fair. they hit like on about plus I hate gold fucking models. That's the other the one reason I'm glad about selling my blood angels is I never got around to doing sanguinary guard and I never to. I fucking hate gold models. I just it, something. No matter how well really bad, done yeah. they are, they to me they look like shit. It's just one of those things. Yep. No, I agree. Gold is. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Tough. Gold is tough. That's yeah. why I don't envy uh, Neo and painting Rogaldon. Well, yeah, like fuck. if you look at like Matt Kane, he's doing custodes right now, and uh, his shit. I mean, he looks phenomenal. He's you know gold whatever. But I still just, it's just not, it's not something I like. You know what I mean? I just don't like that gold armor look. I don't, I'm just not a fan. Yeah, I understand. So, yeah, just not, just not into it. Um, I don't really like the models. The The actual Forge world 
custodes models like the tanks and the dreadnoughts look great, but I think the for me personally, I'm not into the plastics at all. They're not proportioned right. They look weird. They look like giant munchkins or something. I'm not sure what's going on with them, and they don't really match the art. So it's like it's just a no for me, dog. You know what I mean? Like, I don't really like the paint scheme. I don't really like the models. They don't make sense in the fluff to you know be played as much as they do, and the rules for them are obnoxious. We actually ban them at uh, our events out here. We we make them. You you can only take them as an allied detachment. And then uh, I know that I know that for Pennsylvania we do allied detachment only, and then the Jersey guys we do twenty um, percent. Um, yeah, we tax them. Yeah, tax them. We don't like so here locally. We don't ban them. We just everybody here basically feels like I do, so most people wouldn't play them anyway. And then anybody who does has to keep it closeted because we would just mercilessly tease them and berate them until they quit playing them. <laughs> and then also all the events that I run or host anymore, I use the eye of Horus method where you can write as many lists as you want. And I have written several, um, just any custodes list where it's easy just to totally mushroom stamp those guys and not fucking worry about them. <laughs> um, and a lot of people have built those lists and they don't, they basically have it on hand. So if they run into a custodes player, they can just bust it out. So they, they don't do very well or successful here anyway because of that. So there's we've just basically taken away all incentive to run them. Yeah, I mean that's that's the easy way to that's that's one way to handle it. We just we just remove the temptation altogether because I mean we have it's hard enough trying to get space will players to paint their shit here like and then and then try to, to explain away why their armies aren't inherently broken. So we're like you know what, we're just gonna remove the temptation altogether and you just can't do it. We spent so long trying to explain to Shane. He still doesn't get it. God damn it. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Any fucking way. Moving on. Space Wolves? <laughs> uh, no. So, And then the next thing is, do you have any uh, we a funny story to lead us out here? Um, either hobby-wise or shit that's happened to you in a game where it could be real-life shit. I mean, I know you guys talk about a lot of them on RFI, but... Uh. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've told... Okay, so, I mean, I'll talk about anything. Like, I don't really have any shame, and I'm not really embarrassed about anything, and I've never, like, killed anyone or done anything really bad. So pretty much at this point, with as much as I've done podcasting, Almost anything entertaining or story-wise is wound up on one podcast or another. So this one's probably a repeat, but people like it. And this isn't... So the guy... This is not really about me. It's about someone else. And I'm, I'm sure that I've told this story before on one podcast or another. But that's okay. I used to work at... I still work at a power plant. Um, okay. It used to be coal-fired. And when the old coal-fired plant, it was built in like 1947. Um and what's hilarious is it was the blueprints and stuff were drawn up like while World War II was still going on. Mm-hmm. So the original blueprints for the plant had anti-aircraft guns on the plant. Like, that's sure. how old this fucking place is. Yep. And that's where people's heads were at. So pretty funny. So anyway, they built this plant. It's It looks like uh, a mix of like Gotham City shit and Necromunda stuff. Like it's that old <laughs> Mundan shitty. So... I worked with these guys in coal handling. I was a coal handler and we were like the misfits. So you had the entire plant 
And then we were in a totally separate building separated from everyone else, like on our own little island. And we never really interacted with anybody in the plant. So it was just like these six guys out there. And it was kind of like the misfit crew and everybody kind of ignored us. And we kind of ignored everybody else. Well, one of these guys out there, he's a really nice guy and he's really intelligent. And he's one of the funniest people I've ever met. Super witty, whatever. He also has no shame and will basically tell you any like shit about himself that you wouldn't tell anybody else. Like, (laughs) but he'll just say it out loud. He doesn't care and he'll laugh it off type thing. So the thing about this dude is he's got really bad IBS, like really bad. And so (laughs) when he has to shit, like when he has to go to the bathroom, like he'll straight tell you this, like literally within fucking probably an hour of meeting him, even if you're a stranger. When he has to take a shit, he says he's got 11 steps. On the 12th step, it's coming out whether he's ready or not. And he always has extra pants and underwear on him. I mean, it's a legit problem. Oh, damn. That's rough. So he doesn't, like, shit himself often, but he also he often has to go in weird places or whatever. He's always prepared. Yep. So the thing about these old power plants and even new ones, mostly they have to be built next to a river or a water source. Cause you got to use something. Uh, cause you're basically yeah. no matter what kind of power plant you have, what you're do, all you're doing is turning water into steam and use the uh-huh. steam to power the turbine. Everybody thinks it's like some type of wizardry or whatever. Like you're yep. literally burning coal and the coal is actually yeah. what's making the electricity. It's not the case. You're all you're doing is creating heat by burning something. And with that heat, you turn water into steam. So you have to have a water source. Yep. So at most power plants, that water source will be built on a river, and you'll intake the water, turn it into steam, and then you have to cool it back down with cooling towers to a certain temperature, and then you just release it back into the river. You can't just dump it when it's boiling back into the river. You just boil all the fish in the river and kill all the wildlife. (laughs) Right. It's like, you know, environmental shit. So anyway, you have to have that. Then... If you're a coal fire plant, which there aren't very many left, you always have to have access to the railroad, typically, because that's how they'll bring your coal in. So yeah, yeah. Be train tracks. So when you have train tracks and you got a river, it always leads to a railroad bridge, right? You got the railroad bridge that goes across there. So this guy, one day, he goes out in the middle of this railroad bridge. I don't know if you've ever walked out on a railroad bridge like fucking Stand By Me style or whatever. <laughs> You, you walk, and usually the way it works is you just got pylons that come out of the river, and there's I-beams running across them, and then you got ties laying across the I-beams, and then the tracks are on top of the ties. But okay. in between the ties, it's just you can just see through. It's not like there's a floor. So if you fell down in between the ties or stepped off the side or whatever, it's, there's nothing there. And the ties are kind of set at a weird – it's not like a human walking, like normal human stride pace. Yeah. So you kind of have to like pay attention when you're walking out there. It's not something you can just run across or, you know, go quickly. You kind of kind of have to pay attention. So anyway, he walks out there in the middle of this railroad bridge and kind of hangs off over the side and jumps down to one of the concrete pylons that's coming out of the river. And he's there fishing, right? Fishing in the river. You're fishing in the middle of the river without a boat. (laughs) So he's there fishing and he's in the middle of this fucking railroad bridge. (laughs) <laughs> so the the sensation comes on for him to shit. Oh right? no. He's got to shit. So he climbs up back on top of the the bridge part and he's trying to make it to either bank so he oh. can get the shit in the woods. No big deal. People do it all the time camping. 
but he's yep, in the middle yep. of his sprint, so he's looking both directions, and he's like, there's no fucking way I'm making it to the end of either of these <laughs> shit in my pants. Oh, no. So, what he does is he steps on the outside, like, so you got the, the bridge and the railroad ties, so the railroad ties go over the I-beams, and they kind of overhang, like, out into space or whatever. I'm so he basically steps around on, on the bridge to kind of like outside of the bridge, like basically a normal bridge. You would be on the outside of the bridge railing, but still standing on the bridge. And he's hanging on to the steel structure of the bridge while Ugh. his feet are on the edge of the ties. And while he's Ugh. doing that, he pulls his pants down and just squats. <laughs> so his ass is basically just hanging off into space while he's clinging on to the side of this bridge. Right. And he starts, <laughs> he starts shitting and he's just shitting a rooster tail of diarrhea into the <laughs> river off this bridge. Oh know? my God. In the middle of this railroad bridge. So he's doing this and he's relieving himself and he's almost done. And he turns his head to glance over his shoulder. And lo and behold, what has come <laughs> around the corner is a family of four, a husband, wife, and two children oh, in God. a canoe. And he's almost shitting on them. They're literally having to steer the canoe <laughs> around this stream of shit in the middle of the river. <laughs> so those people got more than their bargain for, for sure. I didn't see rain on the forecast. Yeah, I don't even know how you explain that to a child. Imagine being six years old and looking up and seeing a stream of diarrhea spraying from a stranger's ass on a railroad bridge when all you're wanting to do is have like a nice, you know, summer day in a canoe with your family. Trying to have a family trip. You got to explain why you're seeing a fucking brown one eye looking at you. You tell them that's <laughs> vegetable. Go to school. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is why you got to go to a good university yeah. there, Sheldon. <laughs> and to give you an idea, have you guys all seen Office Space, the movie Office Space? Yeah. 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 You know the next door neighbor, the you got to see the breast exam chick that's the uh -huh. construction worker? Yep. <laughs> it's played by the dude from the Drew Carey show, Oswald. Yeah. The guy yep. that's hanging off the railroad bridge shitting looks identical to that character. <laughs> he's got a mullet and a handlebar mustache, and he's a construction worker and even talks like that. He looks and acts. He's basically that guy. So imagine that character from Office Space shitting off a railroad bridge on your canoe and that's basically what's going on that's hilarious that is <laughs> oh man that so. is, that's poor family going under that bridge <laughs> could you imagine oh, could you imagine that? like oh, oh my god yeah i'd love to hear their end of the story on that one how they <laughs> the other side <laughs> of that the other side i of was that. i was six years old I was so excited. It was the first time my dad had off for a weekend in my whole life. And we went to go canoeing. And some dude was just taking a... He was pinching a loaf right off these train tracks. Like, oh my god. And that, that kid can, like, never shit in public bathrooms, like, ever again for the rest of his life. He's always gonna... He can only shit at home. Or, like, he gets some weird... Uh, some weird, like, complex about it, yeah. He's got, yeah, he, like, cannot shit in public. It's just, like, the worst thing ever. <laughs> Deep-seated trauma. Oh, that's, that's just nightmares. Nightmares for, like... That, that guy is building the game barn, by the way. <laughs> Are oh, you here? No, nope, oh, that's the general God. contractor for my game barn. That's amazing. Yeah, he's an awesome dude. 
Did he design it with like a tunnel for like a a secret bathroom? No, I designed it. I drew all the blueprints and shit. He just was the general contractor for the project. He didn't like. He's like, if I'm ever here, I need to be able to escape here and here. <laughs> no, nope. Oh man, I, that's a great story, Ryan. Thanks for sharing that with us. <laughs> yeah, hard hard to top that one. I guess you're welcome. <laughs> um, so I think Shane has kind of gone F- AFK for a second. No, I'm good. I'm good. Sorry. I don't want to know what you were doing. Ah, no, my kid got out of the tub and <laughs> in, in decided he needed to talk to me. <laughs> he got out of the closet. They lock him in. You keep him when, you're, when you're recording a podcast, you lock him up. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, God. Parents, oh. 101 with Shane. <laughs> God, if yeah, he's annoying, well, you just put him in a cupboard. Alle- allegedly. Oh, speaking of. Okay. Uh, and there he is again. <laughs> Well, anyway, so since we're at the end of the podcast, I wanted to thank Ryan for coming on and talking about the Cold of Paint class. But actually, before we do leave, there is two events that are happening that, well, three events. I'll quickly, briefly shout them out. So February 2nd is Betrayer Part 1, which is in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Yep. Forgotten the time. Variable (laughs) format. Should be there. I'll be there. Shane will have the flu or probably another funeral fuck so you god damn it it's only when it's out of fucking st- yeah. all right god so then we'll talk it. about the second event which is our event on february 23rd which is a horus heresy adeptus titanicus event um that is three thousand points in the morning 1500 points in the afternoon unless you're involved in the mega metal and then adeptus titanicus that is february 23rd that is a mythico studios that is linked on our Facebook. The PA one is linked on our Facebook too, but it's also on PA 30K. Um, yep. And then the third event is happening in New England. By the time this episode launches, you should have already listened to the interview episode with Kyle, where he talks about that in depth. So that is totally on that episode. Any questions, go to New England 30K uh, on Facebook. Look them up. Great bunch they ain't of guys. listening. They're listening to fucking Bruce Springsteen watching the Patriots. <laughs> <laughs> They're probably um, rubbing Tom Tom Brady statues, hoping that they make it into the... just fucking watching the Matt Damon movies on loop, <laughs> <laughs> practicing their their accent. Oh my god! And then. Once again, uh, you should definitely hit us up on Facebook. That is the Road to Damnation. We're on this Instagram. Email is road to damnation at gmail.com. Uh, if you want questions, you have stories, or you want to generally come on, we are totally up for guests. Just tell us what you want to talk about. We're all for it. Um, the final thing, which we mentioned the last episode, which is kind of funny that Ryan's on, is the closer patches. Those are coming in the 23rd. So if you want to close a patch, please submit your army to us on Instagram. That's Road to Damnation. Or use the hashtag Road to Damnation. And with a picture of your fully painted army for the silver one. If you want the gold one, it's two fully painted armies, uh, which is 5,000 points. And don't give us two Alpha Legions because it only counts as one. Yeah, it's going to be one loyalist and one traitor. Yeah, hey, somebody uh, bought my blood angels. They were already eligible for one. Yeah, yes, there you go. They definitely are. Because, uh, as we said before, if you have someone paint your army, you're still paying the hobby tax. Yep. So, 
once again, totally all four fully painted models, especially, and it makes the game more enjoyable for everyone. Don't be a Space Wars player like Shane and bring up the plastic screws. I hate you so much right now. <laughs> I've done it twice. Did That's you so see good. the post of the guy playing orcs in plastic bags? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. fucking saw it. Even... And then what, the, ca- what the caption. You know, like, was... He should have just left them in the box. Like, who does that? <laughs> yeah. Why he, what a out? fucking noob. He actually assembled them and fucking spent the money on a plastic bag. Well, Real men keep making them in them a box. Eighth edition tournament legal. I think that's oh all that he was God. trying to do. Eighth edition is the cancer that is killing right, the war gaming. Let's not go into that. Let's Why? Oh my God! I'm so fu- fuck you. You keep calling me space wolves all night. <laughs> God damn it! That is not- the eighth edition equivalent in fucking thirty k. <laughs> Hashtag change my mind. Fuck you. <laughs> God damn it. That's all from us. Fucking signing off the road to damnation. Fuck you, Lewis.